0: Shopify, were you wondering where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform, supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the chit-ching.
1: Oh, sorry, but
0: my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/listen. Shopify.com/listen.
2: All right, everybody, welcome in. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station. And let's get to it, shall we? 457-9464. That's the number to call in and join in on the conversation. And we got a lot packed uh, packed for you here today. We got plenty to dive into. Uh, the Steelers and Bengals game just got a little bit more interesting. We're going to open up with that. We're going to talk about what is our upset of the weekend heading into week 10. And I think Bengals fans might be might be happy uh, because I, I think I'm close. I'm close. Close to maybe, maybe rolling with rolling the dice and picking the Bengals over the Steelers coming up on Saturday. Not quite there, not quite there, but I'm, I'm getting a little bit closer. And of course, uh, there's a reason for that. You know, the Rona. Ah, the vicious Rona. The vicious Rona, exactly. The vicious Rona uh, playing and could potentially have an impact uh, on the Steelers and the Bengals game coming up this weekend. Ben Roethlisberger, as well as three other Steelers. Uh, right now put on the COVID list. The COVID-IR list right now, of course, is they're going through the testing protocol, Kev, and that could have a huge impact on the Steelers and the Bengals coming up on Sunday. You take a look at the line right now, and, of course, the line has been taken away. Steelers were a seven-point favorite heading into the matchup with the Bengals on Sunday. That line has been taken down as, of course, you know, Vegas and the odds are waiting to see, you know, who's going to be quarterbacking this Mm -hmm. team because if it's going to come down to... The Steelers' dominant defense going up against the Bengals' paper-thin offensive line, and having to rely on you know who you know I'm going to feel uncomfortable about that. But if Mason Rudolph is the quarterback for the Steelers for a full four quarters, I'm going to take Joe Burrow and the Bengals <laughs> the entire Sunday. Um, where are you with this right now? Again, again, I don't want to make light of a situation where someone has COVID and could potentially miss right. a game from a health perspective, but that does change some things. I will say this: there were a lot of Bengals fans who were very confident. In the Bengals' ability, somehow, some way, to beat the Steelers, even before the news of COVID impacting this matchup this weekend came out, is that just overconfidence from, of course, the last time they were on the field beating a very good Titans team, or what is it? I don't get it. Absolutely,
1: it's, it's the confidence. You, it's a matchup versus Tennessee that everybody and their mom thought they were going to lose, and they perform well, not only offensively, but defensively as well, causing turnovers, getting interceptions in the end zone and everything like that, limiting the league's leading rusher to just over 100 yards. So it's the confidence that they had going into the bye week. You figure like, oh, man, we're going to get a little bit healthier and everything like that and get ready, have two weeks to prepare for the vaunted Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Um, If Ben doesn't play – you got to go with the Bengals. I mean, just based off of what you've seen you last to. year. You, you have, have to go yeah. with the Bengals? Yes, man. Like, when Ben got hurt versus the Cowboys on Sunday and Mason Rudolph came in there, I was surprised he didn't throw a pick six.
2: <laughs> I was blown away. Well, it was the Cowboys' defense, <laughs> so that would be why um, as far as that goes.
1: I just have no no respect And no love for Mason Rudolph. Like, he's just not it. And I pray to goodness, if Ben doesn't play, I pray to goodness they put Duck Hodges in the game. Because at least, at the very least, Duck Hodges can move and he can complete a five-yard out. And you throw enough five-yard outs to Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and you run a slant with Juju over the middle, you can convert some third downs. You can't convert anything with Mason Rudolph. I'm sorry. So, I would go with the Bengals if... Your starting quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, is in playing, And also, your starting middle linebacker is on the COVID list, Vince Williams, as well. So, uh, the league's number one tackler for losses in the league is (laughs) on the COVID list. So...
2: It's looking great for us. Yeah, again, if you're just tuning in the Justin Kinner Show with Kevin Nash Live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing A. M. Give the show a call at 457-9464. Listen, stream, and watch. Listen at 1410 Wing AM. Stream Us Live at Wingam.com. And of course, you can watch us live on Facebook. Head to Facebook, search the Justin Kinner show, and you can watch and interact that way as well by chiming in on any conversations we're having. Or if you want to redirect the conversation, you can put your questions in the chat bar, and we'll of course address those and pull your Facebook profile picture into the broadcast. And, you know, we have a good time with that. So make sure that you're taking advantage of the multiple ways that you could listen and interact with the show weekdays from 3 to 6 right here on 1410 wing a.m. But again, uh, Brooke Pryor covers the Steelers for ESPN, announced this earlier this afternoon that Ben Roethlisberger was placed on the reserve COVID-19 list and that the Steelers are optimistic that their quarterback will be ready to go for Sunday's game against uh, the Bengals, as far as that goes. Now, I'm curious Bengals fans, because again, I'm not going to let you know a few speak for all, but I was pretty surprised at the amount of Bengals fans, especially on social media, were tweeting into the show and following live on Facebook that were saying, "Oh no, that they're very confident that the Steelers could beat the, the you know that the Bengals could beat the Steelers coming up on Sunday." Now, when you look at that. The Steelers probably got away with, I hate to say get away with win, because winning's tough in the NFL, as we know here in the state of Ohio, wins are tough to come by. Even when you're 5-3 and three and you're winning and you're in the playoff picture, it still feels like you're losing because, you know, there's so much more that goes into winning, you have to look good while doing it, too. Um, but I'm curious why Bengals fans felt so confident about their ability to potentially beat the Steelers, and that was even before Big Ben, of course, was announced to be on the COVID list. But you are 8 No, The Steelers are 8-0. Um, they are kind of cruising throughout the season, although I think they are a little bit of a surprise out of the AFC. I think we knew that this team was going to be better with Big Ben coming back, especially after what we saw last year, a team going 8-8 with Mason Rudolph as their starting quarterback and kind of a platoon between him and Doug Hodges throughout the year. This, that was not a good offensive football team, but their defense was so good last year that somehow, some way, this was an eight and eight team that was a game away from potentially playing in the postseason. In fact, if the playoffs were expanded last year the way are this year, the Steelers would have been a playoff team even with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. As crazy as that sounds, but the Steelers are eight and zero, and I always do that. You know, so the Eliminator League I'm in. Everyone keeps picking, they keep following who the Jets are playing on a week-in, week-out basis and just picking whoever that the Jets are playing. I don't play that game because just like I think it's very, very hard to go 16-0, I really do think it's almost as hard to go 0-16, and, and that's coming from a Browns fan <laughs> who was the last team to go 0-16, and, and they may... They may lose that crown and hand it off to the Jets when it's all said and done. It is tough to pick a team, even as good as the Steelers and even the Chiefs. There's going to be off weeks. There are going to be weeks Mm -hmm. where you just don't get it done. The bottom line is, the Steelers, had they played just a slight better team this past Sunday. They didn't bring their A game against Dallas. It's not like Dallas played extremely well and was just taking away the strengths of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers were... Basically, trying to give that game away. They may have survived their off game. The reason I have a hard time picking the Bengals over the Steelers is because Pittsburgh played so poorly against the Dallas Cowboys. Had the Steelers come out and just dominated the Cowboys, I would be more willing to accept the idea that the Bengals could potentially pull off an upset, mainly because you're not going to play perfect every week. Right. You're going to take your foot off the gas on some weekends. You're not going to respect every opponent. The Bengals are an opponent that you can look at and not respect and they could potentially catch you sleeping. Maybe that's what happened with the Titans. I don't know, but I do know this. Because the Steelers played so poorly against the Cowboys, Kev, I just have a hard time believing that a Mike Tomlin coached team with Big Ben on the field is going to come out flat in back-to-back weeks. You mentioned yesterday they played poorly against Baltimore, but that's because all teams, especially all offenses, they look poor against that great defense in Baltimore. I just think last week was a matter of, You would love to get up for the Dallas Cowboys game, but you just know how poor they are. It would be tough to get up for Andy Dalton being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. You had some guy no one's ever heard of before leading this offense for the Cowboys. I don't think they came in with their mental A game against Dallas this past weekend. I don't expect two weekends in a row of a Mike Tomlin, Big Ben-led team coming out flat energy-wise. And that's why I'm picking against the Bengals. Not because I'm a Bengals hater. It's just because... Pittsburgh played poorly last week. There's no way in hell they're playing poorly two weeks in a row.
1: The defense is going to come out ready to play. It's a situation where I think about, like, remember Sanity. Remember how crazy that was in New York? He was playing like he was Steve Nash for, like, two weeks straight. And then he showed up. To play the Miami Heat and LeBron James and D-Wade and Chris Bosh and uh, Mario Chalmers. He couldn't get the ball past half court because they wanted to send a message to say, hey, you're not ready for prime time. And that's something that the Pittsburgh Steelers defense does to young quarterbacks. Uh, you think about how they played against Baker this year. Like, all right, the the Browns are the new it team and everybody's yep. talking about them. Let's show them who's really the it team. Um, to be perfectly honest, they show they their worth versus the Ravens. You know, causing Lamar to turn the ball over four times. So I expect the defense to play lights out, especially if Ben is there. Because in that case, they're know they going to have backup on offense. Um, so I expect a, a knockout game from the Pittsburgh Steelers defense from, from them on the Bengals side. You know, uh, I respect Joey B. I think he has a ton of weapons. I think he's going to be a great quarterback. But this first matchup versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think it's going to be a rough one for him. It's a double chin strap game for Joey B.
2: Yeah, and keep in mind, too, I do think that the Steelers, they've been the face of this division for over two decades now. The Ravens have sprinkled in their success. They've sprinkled in a couple Super Bowls over the last two decades, as we know. But they've had a lot of you know dips, too. Yeah. The Steelers have been very consistent throughout. I mean, if they've had a down year, it's because Big Ben has been out. Or, and even last year with him being out, it's still a 500 team. It's funny, though. You look at this division. It's so young at the quarterback position outside of Big Ben. You know, I joked last year when the the Bengals drafted uh, Joe Burrow that the Steelers are the only team in that division that don't have a Heisman quarterback leading the way. I mean, the Baker Mayfield one-one at Oklahoma, obviously Joey B, um, you know, at LSU, and then Lamar, you know, at Louisville. But – there are so many young quarterbacks in this division that every other month it seems that we are recrowning a team, saying the new face of the of the AFC North. Mm-hmm. People didn't like it, but when the when the Cleveland Browns had that you know that great year out of Baker Mayfield his rookie year, and then they go out and they add OBJ and they start adding all these weapons. A lot, some media went out, including me, said, oh, man, this, they're setting themselves up to be the face of the AFC North moving forward because we just assumed that Big Ben and the Steelers were about to kind of dip and kind of make their exit and, and start, you know, rebuilding that next phase. And then... That didn't obviously happen, and the Steelers always bring their A game against Baker because they just literally want to drive him into the ground. <laughs> the Steelers always rise up for the Ravens because Lamar Jackson, MVP, he's a legit talent, and they just can't stand hearing about him, and they bring their A game against him. And now we're going to get to see – they're tired of hearing about Joe Burrow. You know, the Bengals over the last couple of years have flirted. They, I think it was last year, a year, year before they had the Steelers beat. Yep. Last year they had the Steelers beat early yep. in the year. Let's just put it this way. The Steelers' defense wasn't coming in, roaring, and ready to go for Andy Dalton. Joe Joe Burrow, everyone's talking about Joe Burrow. Everybody loves Joe Burrow. Everybody that is, except in that Steelers' locker room. When that defense, when they put their mind to it, when they want to shut down a quarterback, they do it every single week. You could tell the quarterbacks they respect and can't stand because it's like they just flipped that switch. They did it against Baker. They did it against Lamar and they're going to do it against Joey B coming up on Sunday in the Bengals. No, that's not me hating. I think I've provided enough evidence to show, hey, this team, they're tired of hearing about Joey B and the Bengals. They're tired about he- hearing about Baker Mayfield and the Browns coming to take their crowd away. They're tired of all the talk being about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens as if they're just, you know, you know, head and shoulders better than the Pittsburgh Steelers in that division. To me, I think it's going to be a long day for Joey B with or without Big Ben, but I do think no Big Ben and how bad the quarterback play is with Mason Rudolph, that's going to open the door to where if the defense doesn't bring their A game, which I don't anticipate, it is going to open the door to the Bengals maybe being able to hang around and make it interesting. I don't see that being the case, Kev, if Big Ben is quarterbacking the Steelers on Sunday.
1: Man, it's going to be fun. It's definitely going to be fun. I love seeing Ben have to deal with all these young quarterbacks, you know. I remember when he was a young quarterback in the AFC North. Now he has to conquer all these young guys coming up. And like you said, all these guys have something he doesn't have, a Heisman Trophy. Uh, and, I mean, obviously he has two things that they don't have, two Super Bowl championships. But, you know, he's just like fighting them off, you know. They show pictures. Um, when Ben was drafted and these guys were one and two years old. You know what I'm saying? Like, Lamar Jackson is, I want to say, he's the youngest of them all. And, you know, he's older. No, Joey B is older, older, older than Lamar. Him. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, you know, these guys are coming for his crown, so to speak. And it's competition for sure. It's definitely competition. I mean, in my opinion, man, I, I know you're going to hate to hear this, man, but the Bengals, man, if, if they play their cards right, if they can somehow, some way, in the off do something that I'm not a big fan of, but on in this aspect, I would would like to see it. Them sign some free agency situations on the offensive line. Like I don't necessarily. I'm a guy that believes in building through the draft, but a position like offensive lineman, linebacker, or a pass rusher, I don't mind spending big bucks. It's oh, going to be intriguing, opinion, this
2: is a very deep draft coming up for offensive linemen, though. They're so, like, like everything, every time you pop on, you know, when they're doing the draft previews for next year already, mm-hmm. all they talk about is how if you need offensive linemen, this is the draft to do it. So I think that that concerns me for the Bengals because they're going to bite on that. And I'm not against them trying to find their offensive linemen in the draft, but you can't find all of them in the draft. Right. That's why I like what the, the Browns did this past offseason. They took the kid out of Alabama, but they also went and signed Conklin from Tennessee and then it ended up, you know, being a great balance. And, you know, so I'm with I'm not against them going that route, but man, they gotta sprinkle some veterans in there too. And right now they're feeling out this line. I don't know I'm not putting too much stock into what we saw from the offensive line against Tennessee. It's not one of the best defenses out there, but man, he didn't get touched. He didn't get touched. Joe Burrow didn't get touched. They need to build on that, so it's it's unfortunate that you go from a team in Tennessee who has no pass rush to a team in Pittsburgh who's nothing but pass rush. Right. There is no in between. I would have loved to seen for Cincinnati to go from a team like Tennessee to maybe like a midline team. That, you know, even if it's like the Seahawks who don't have a great pass rush, uh, just to you know kind of ease you know ease them in to seeing if this is the line for them moving forward. But we're going to find out. They're going to go from zero to hundred. They're going to go from the the Titans pass rush to the Steelers <laughs> pass rush, and you're going to find out for sure what's going on there. Now, to your point about, like, you know, the future looks bright for Cincinnati. I'm going to take my troll cap off. And I'm going to ask this in, in, in all seriousness. What is the difference between what we're seeing from the Bengals with Joe Burrow and what we saw from the Browns and Baker Mayfield? Because all of the talk with Joe Burrow is the exact same talk we heard about Baker in his rookie year, right? So what? why am I supposed to sit here and believe that Joe Burrow is not going to have that declined in his game the way we saw it with Baker. Baker had accuracy. He had a strong arm. He, you know, he he did nothing but lead the team down for scoring drives and touchdowns. So that's why I'm saying, like, and we I think we saw more of an attack from him in his rookie year than from Joe Burrow, at least from a scoring standpoint. So that's why I'm, I, I keep laughing at all of the overreaction to Joey B and some of the other rookie quarterbacks because we've played this game before. And look what happened. So, how do we know that what we're seeing out of Joe Burrow is for real? Because we all thought, even the haters of the Browns knew deep down, man, Baker looks the part. So he does it now, but he did that year. That's so for sure. you're
1: saying the tape card, the tape card. Let's see what happens with the tape. I'm a, I'm a fan. I don't like the that. tape card. I, don't I like love the you know, tape card. I love the tape card because that's the true reality of the situation. Once uh, these smart individuals, especially on defense, you know, locked themselves in a the basement for six months. And, oh, he hates to throw down the middle of the field. Let's make him throw down the middle of the field. Oh, you know what? He loves rolling right. Let's make him roll left. Like, that's what they do, man. These defensive coordinators, man, they'll be down there all day watching film and figure out your tendencies over a 16-game schedule. You know, it's pretty difficult to, you know, watch one game. Like, all right, what does he like to do? I don't know. Like, like, Tua, like that first game that he started. We have no idea what he likes to do outside of watching his tape from college because he didn't have to do anything. No, he's good. He's a winner. We're good. <laughs> no. They got up so fast. They had fumble returns, punt returns, interception returns, and, like, he didn't even have to do anything. Like, all right, well, we'll see how you play next week because we don't need you to do anything. Hand the ball off, we get out of dodge. So I, will, I am a guy that believes in the tape and, you know, let's see what they do in their second year because we've been here down this road with RG3. RG3 was the hottest thing smoking and then okay, he the wasn't. Year. Yeah. Second year he wasn't. Same thing with Baker. Like, I'm cool with all this. I'm 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 here for all of it because I'm here for Tua, I'm here for Joey B, I'm here for Herbert, I'm here for all the young quarterbacks. Matter of fact, we think about Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. Not only he got hurt, but now people are starting to say, "Man, he ain't that good" because they got tape on him. So, I want to see it next year. I'm here for this year, but once these guys get taped and then you excel in your second and third year, then I'll be like a buyer on all these guys.
2: All right, 457-9464, four, four. that's the number to call in and join in on the conversation. One more time, 457-9464, four, four. Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash with you here, hanging out on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station 1410, Wing AM. We're live on Facebook. You can, of course, jump in on the conversation by voicing your opinion on Facebook. Search The Justin Kinner Show. Watch along there. Um, Let's go to that Facebook reaction right now. Doug Morgan, he says, uh, let let me make this for those of you who are watching. Let's at least make the the text bigger. Uh, Doug Morgan says that if they would have lost to the Cowboys, I would be less confident. They are going to slip up one of these games. Of course, Doug Morgan going back and kind of you know agreeing with me a little bit about the Steelers, saying that had the Steelers lost to the Cowboys he would, you know, then he would be worried. Mm. But that's but kind of what I'm saying, that even though Pittsburgh got a win last week, they still played very poorly. They, you would probably say if they played a team, I'll say it this way, if Pittsburgh plays the way they did against get, Dallas, because right now Cincinnati is playing better than Dallas. Cincinnati's a better football team than the Dallas Cowboys right yeah. now. I will go as far to say that, and that pains me, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> if the Steelers, the way they played against Dallas last week, played like that against Cincinnati, Cincinnati would have picked up their third win of the season last week. I the thing is I do not see Pittsburgh playing the way they did last week two weeks in a row. That's without my Bengals hater hat on. That is just <laughs> the I would be saying that if the Browns and Steelers play this week, I wouldn't be sitting there saying, "Oh man, you see how poor they looked, how poorly they played against Dallas, man, if they play like that, we got to win." I would be saying the same thing. We're screwed because there's no way in hell Pittsburgh's playing like that two weeks in a row. Matt Sturgeon on Facebook says, As a Bengals fan, I am not confident, but hopeful we can compete. Uh, you have to beat the gold standard in the division to move forward. And that's, you know, a lot of times the, the pressure of facing the Steelers, it's on top of them being really good, but the pressure, it's not just any other game. Uh, we like to, you know, we say I say I hate the Steelers, but I know... When the Browns and Steelers play, it's a lot different than when the Browns and Ravens play. I hate the Ravens too, but the Steelers are, to what Matt just said, they're that gold standard in the division of, that's how you, that, that that's who you tell where you're at. You know, If you go and compete with the Steelers, you know, okay, we're close. We're getting there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The Browns don't feel like they're close right now. <laughs> Not after what just happened a few weeks ago. The Ravens, they have to be kicking themselves. Yeah. They've lost to the Chiefs and they've lost to the Steelers. They don't feel good about where they're at right now. So... That's where the where the Bengals are at. Forget records. If the Bengals just compete with the Steelers on Sunday, with Joe Burrow, with all the you know momentum that they've built, with the success they've had so far with him, man, they're going to feel like they won a Super Bowl if they just lose by a possession or two to the Steelers coming up on Sunday. And heaven forbid they win, I'll never hear the end of it. Oh yeah, it's right? going to be some smoke in the city for you. So um, that's fine. And then David Shaw. Funny you ask. What's the difference between Baker and Joey? You've ripped me for two months for saying the exact same. I haven't ripped you for saying that. I've ripped you for trying to act like B- Joe Burrow has had a Becker, better rookie year than Baker. I'm talking about rookies who come in and have success, and teams just automatically assume that they have their future set out for them. And it always, you know, it doesn't always pan out that way. You talked about RG three, the Browns with Baker Mayfield. Although that book hasn't been shut yet, it looks like we're nearing the end of that book, uh, depending on how Baker closes out this 2020 season. Four five seven nine four six four Bengals fans, I want to hear from you. How confident are you? in your matchup with the Steelers this Sunday. Who we got? We got Darren. Darren, how are you, sir? Welcome in. Hey,
0: how are you doing again? I spoke to you yesterday.
2: Two days in a row. Man, what did I do to get this lucky? How are you? What do you got for us today?
0: So you were talking about Baker and uh, Burrow. Uh-huh. Who had a better team around them their rookie year?
2: Uh, I would say that Joe Burrow has more weapons around him than Baker did his rookie year, but Baker cle- Baker clearly had the better offensive line than, than Burrow does. No, Are
0: you sure about that?
2: Positive. He has a good offensive line now. He didn't have a good offensive line. Yeah, he only got sacked. He got sacked like less than half than what he did last year. Of course, they let Zeitler go, which was a big mistake. That's why they went out and addressed the offensive line. He got hit like 40-something times. He got sacked like a ton last year.
0: Oh, I know, but he – I wouldn't know – I wouldn't say their offensive line was that much better. But overall, the Bengals two years ago – I mean, this year are by far more talented than the uh, Browns were um, Akers' rookie year. I mean, both sides of the field. They were a better team, and you know I I I, I I'm a hundred percent with what you're saying. When you're saying you can't say one year is going to show you. Like last year, Baker played pretty poorly. This year, he's been okay. I, I don't think he's ever going to be a a superstar, but I think he could be serviceable. And with the running game, I think we could get we can get to the playoffs and actually advance in the playoffs. Because um, you saw how we played when we had two healthy great great running backs. Um, and Baker played very well during that time frame. without one of them, not so much. But uh, no, I definitely think that uh, Burrow, you know, Bengals fans don't need to be pounding their chests too much. They need to wait and see what happens in year three, not just year two. You guys have a good one.
2: All right, Darren, good stuff. Have Great good. hearing from you. Yeah, I, I can't agree with him at, at all about that. The, the Browns, Joe Burrow has more weapons offensively than Baker did his rookie year. But the offensive line for Cleveland was really good that rookie year.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I want to say Nick Chubb was top five in the league in rushing. No, AD, right? he was.
2: And, and, and Nick Chubb, the big argument was that he wasn't starting. I mean, they he kept having big game after big game, and they weren't starting him. They started him later in the year, just like they did with Baker. Now, later in the year, we're talking two games for Baker. But, um, you know, I've talked about the offensive line improvement from one year to the next. I mean, Baker Mayfield was sacked 25 times his rookie year. He was sacked 40 times last year. So last year, you look at Cleveland, you look at Baker, he got sacked 40 times compared to 25 times his rookie year. His receivers led the league in drops last year. So between getting sacked 40 times, which was top, which was fifth most in the NFL, and having his receivers lead the league in drops, and having Freddie freaking Kitchens as his head coach, Baker was set up to fail last year. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was very confident that we were going to see a much different Baker this year because, hey, you know, the offensive line was better and they got rid of Freddie. The problem is he doesn't look that much better than last year. He's cleaned his game up, not turning the ball over as much, not being sacked as much. I think he's only been hit 11 times this year. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, um, but we'll like see. I said, I, I I can't agree with the last caller that the Browns had a better offense, or that the Bengals have. A, the Bengals have an embarrassing offensive line this year. The Browns definitely had a better offensive yeah. line in his rookie year. Um, four five seven nine four six four. On to the next uh, Bengals fan. Who we got? We got AJ. AJ, welcome in, sir. How are you?
3: Hey, what's up, guys? How are you? Good.
4: Hey, hey.
3: All right. I'm going to sound like delusional Bengals fan, um, but. I, I smell an upset here. I think it's a trap game. I feel like the Bengals really have something to prove. They've had two weeks to prepare for them. It um, sounds like Roethlisberger's got some stuff going on. Who knows if he's going to even be able to play. Offensive line looked decent last game. Um, yeah, I think I think it's got trap game all over it. It's going to be difficult for the Steelers to go undefeated. They're going to have to lose somewhere. Um, yeah, it, you know, it, they always say in, in gambling, whenever the, the public – Goes one way, you got to go the other way, and I feel like no one's really giving the Bengals a shot here. So, um, if anything, they're going to make it a close game, cover the spread.
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, and and I would agree with you more had the Steelers not just played poorly against the Cowboys. I know I'm repeating myself there. I'll give you that. I'm not going to lie. It was a popular opinion that this felt like an upset week for the Bengals over the Steelers, just for all the reasons you listed, that you can't win them all, right. you're going to catch, you know, uh, they're, they're building off the confidence, especially after that win over the Titans. Um, but I do think that there's a good chance they still have Big Ben. The report that just came out is that they're confident they're going to have him on Sunday, that they're just going through the protocols, that he feels fine, but we all know how COVID works, asymptomatic, all that. No, we stuff. don't know so, how COVID works. Uh, <laughs> but, well, we do, never mind. Um, but, you know, I, I yeah, it's, it's going to be – I'm not confident picking the Bengals, but that's the thing about an upset. No one's confident picking the, the team that's not favored to win the matchup. So we'll see.
3: Yeah, the way I feel about it, I mean, the rest of the season, you know, there's not much hope for it, but they're always looking for that statement game, and I feel like this, is, this has got it all over it.
2: All right. Well, A.J., good stuff, man. I appreciate the call. Later, fellas. Bye. Uh, my thing, it's, I, I don't know, when people say trap game, what's your definition of a trap game? Because I don't think this is a definition of a trap game. It's not a definition of a trap game for the Bengals. Right. And as far as the Steelers are concerned, they got the Jaguars after the Bengals. So they're not, it's not like they're going to be overlooking the Bengals to get to the Jaguars. Um, people you throw out the term trap game too much. I don't think people realize what trap game trap game is is. You have the Jaguars this week, and you have the Ravens the following right, week, and you're exactly. so confident on, you're so focused on that matchup with the Ravens that you might be overlooking the the poor Jaguars here. So I don't think it's a trap game for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Um, it could, you know, uh, who knows? I just don't think that it's a trap game, but it it does have the makings of what could potentially be an upset. You have a super confident Steel, or Bengals team yes. coming off the, coming out of the bye, and you have a Steelers team who has the last two weeks played poorly. Very good opponent in the Ravens. They were their own biggest opponent against the Cowboys. What Steelers team are you going to get? It has the makings for a potential upset. I just Absolutely. I'm not calling it.
1: I'm with you Wanderer and I'm with AJ. You know it, it's all the writing's on the wall for a Bengals victory. Like he said, there's no way that Pittsburgh's going to go undefeated. Now, I was thinking about this. Kansas City, they're seven and one. There's only one bye week now in the NFL playoffs. Pittsburgh's 8-0. They have to keep pace with KC in order to get that bye week. Yep. So they have to win this game. Like, the pressure's on Pittsburgh to continue to win because the pressure from KC and the simple fact that they can be down 17 points and then, boom, they're up 24-17. Just like that because their offense is so explosive. So, in my opinion... The pressure's on Pittsburgh to win this game and to, quote-unquote, win the games that they're supposed to win and not throw out a clunker like, okay, you're allowed to lose to the Ravens um, in games like maybe you'll be allowed to lose to the Colts, but you're not, quote-unquote, going to be allowed to lose to the Bengals because you have to keep pace with KC. So this is a very difficult game for the Pittsburgh Steelers.
2: No, it is, and they have the Bengals this week. They're at the Jaguars the following week. And then Thanksgiving Day weekend, they got the Ravens Sunday night football. And then they have the Bills and the Colts and the Browns. So the Steelers don't have an easy schedule. There's, there's a loss, maybe two losses, mm-hmm. sitting in there. Somewhere four five seven nine four six four. Let's continue this uh, with more Bengals fans. How are you feeling about this matchup with the Steelers? Is this is this upset week? Is this, is will the Bengals beat the Steelers? Will this be the upset of Week Ten? Let's go to Charlie. Charlie, I already know what you're going to say. <laughs> hey, what's up, Justin? Another day, in paradise as always. What? Come on, give it to me. The Bengals over the Steelers, right? Like a hundred to nothing. I'm calling in to pound my chest as a Bengals fan. Uh, You know, you're saying
5: that uh, Pittsburgh's defense is tired of hearing about Joe Burrow. Uh, You know, Andy Dalton was born in Texas. Carson Palmer was born in California. Joe Burrow's from Ohio. He's tired of hearing about the Steelers' defense his entire life, and now he actually has a chance to shut him up. So, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and go there. I don't even see it as an upset. Like, if you've watched the Bengals play all season, yeah, they've
2: won two games, but they've hung with everybody. Ah, uh, here we go. The We almost won a game championship that you're competing right. for. Okay. Oh, all my right. goodness. And here, I've tried to be not. I've been very good for a half hour. I've been very partial to the Bengals, and you're making me to no, where tra- I'm going to start. Try- yes, I have. I've not taken uh, a shot at the Bengals ask. at all. I've pointed, I've pointed out facts. I've pointed out weak offensive line. I've pointed out a 2-5-1 and one team. I have not trolled the Bengals once. I've done what you, you can't do, and that's use common sense with this team. Come on now! You said that the Steelers' defense is tired of hearing about Joe Burrow. They are. You know they, they are tired of hearing about Joe Burrow. Bring
5: back. Go ahead and bring back uh, uh, Troy Polamalu. Bring back James Harrison's prime. You can bring all them guys back. It don't matter. It doesn't matter who you bring back? That you know yeah. Joe Burrow is going to slap dice all day long, baby. Because Ohio's his state. Not Ben Roethlisberger's. He left. He went to Pittsburgh. He'd sell out.
2: What bar do you you hit during the day? I'm just curious, Charlie. What's your drink of choice during the day? I I mean, I would love to find out what you're drinking to have this. Huh? I just got off work, Does your boss know you drink at work? (laughs) I drive a semi. I can't drink. Oh, Mike, stay off the roads, folks. This guy's (laughs) drunk and driving semis around Dayton (laughs) on 75. Holy smokes.
5: Hey, you. You You, what? I can't hear you. The only team that Pittsburgh can win is Cleveland. Okay. Everybody else, they've just hung around. I've, you know, I've watched this year after year after year. Pittsburgh always plays up or down. They they don't ever blow uh. the games. And and uh, that's what's going to happen this Sunday. You know, Joe, they're not ready for Joe Burrow. It's a different kind of guy. I'm telling you.
2: All right. It's not, it's if you say play. so. I've been
5: it's drawing my best set. behavior today. confident win by a confident team. Two days.
2: What's the score going to be? Oh, huh. And you Lost know, them. that semi, he's drinking. There must have been. A, he must have saw a, a state trooper. who <laughs> saw a state trooper I had to put his phone down real quick. My goodness. Even Matt Sturgis says, "Good grief." Bengals fans, for those tuning in and are live on the Facebook feed, have I been? I've been. I've been on my best behavior. You've been I, nice. I pointed out the flaws in a non-trolling way and I think, you know, uh let's go to Don Roberts on Facebook. He says it is definitely a trap game. Bengals are no joke. Bengals are better than the Cowboys. It is going to go two ways. It will be a Browns type of beatdown 38 to 7 or Steelers let them hang around and Burrow has a game-winning drive. Uh Don, I agree with everything you say there. Um I don't think, you know, well, I don't know if I can say I agree with everything you say there. You covered every option possible. So I mean, <laughs> uh, I'd be mean, but Don, but I know what you're pulse- saying. We can I can we all as a group here without arguing? What the hell is the definition of a trap game, folks? Like we got to do better on using that. I've seen it on Facebook a lot too. It's a trap game. It's a trap game. What do you mean a trap game? I don't think you understand what a trap game is. A trap game is is you have a big opponent coming up around the corner. You may not be you may be so focused on that opponent around the corner that you're not paying enough attention to the opponents you have between that game. And you're going to let your guard down and lose. That's not this situation. The, the The Steelers have the Jaguars next week. They're not overlooking the Bengals because they're worried about right. the Jaguars. So that's all. That's all. Matt Sturgeon says, I agree with your definition. Why, thank you, Mr. Matt. Hey, I tell you what, 457-9464, Bengals fans calling in. We're going to get to your more of your calls on the other side. I'm seeing a lot of confidence about the Bengals uh, beating the Steelers coming up here in Week 10. If they hadn't beat the Titans, I would be laughing hysterically rolling on the ground, but this team has some fight in them. I'll give them that. They're feeding off the confidence of Joe Burrow, who, as we talk about how bad that offensive line is, still confident enough to step up in that pocket every time and a throw on target more times than not, so I'll give them that. They're confident. The Steelers are—they're reeling a little bit, but I still can't pick the Bengals over the Steelers. But I am not going to laugh at the Bengals fans for at least having some confidence in their team. They deserve that, at least as of right now. But you could have confidence, but don't be like drunk Charlie over there. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Four five seven nine four six four. More of your calls and reaction when we come back. All right, we welcome you back. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. Coming up around the corner, we're going to dive into a little college basketball talk. The Dayton Flyers, the Ohio State Buckeyes, the Wright State Raiders. Which matchup is most likely, is more likely to happen? If you had to put money on one of these matchups happening in this crazy COVID basketball season, all right. There's, a, I mean, for one, every one of these matchups should happen, but it's just a matter of whether or not they will. But which of these matchups is more likely to happen? We're going to get into this coming up around the corner. OSU versus Wright State, OSU versus UD, or Wright State versus UD. All of those matchups should technically happen. It's just a matter of which one is most likely to happen. We're going to get into that coming up in our number two. Our number two ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz will also join us. Uh, we'll recap what was an exciting week nine, even though our Browns and Bengals were both off uh, you know, on their bye week, but still a lot happened over the weekend that impacts um, the final eight games of the season for both your Browns and Bengals so we'll get back into that but a big one coming up for the Bengals out of the bye week uh I didn't think there was a chance in hell that they were going to beat the Titans in fact I lost a bet and I ended up having to wear this Steelers or this uh, Bengals jersey behind me um where did he go in the comment section by the way I got to go back and find him real quick uh, Doug Toby, Doug Toby mm-hmm. made a bet said if the if the Titans beat the Bengals or if the Bengals beat the Titans I would have to wear this Bengals jersey I was so confident there was no chance in hell they were going to win. So I took him up on the bet. I had to wear the Bengals jersey, what, this, this last Monday or whatever it was. Uh, so, yeah, but he says, Kev, that, Kev, I'll just leave my Bengals jersey there another week <laughs> so you can wear it next week. Now, I did it. So, will you wear the Bengals jersey next week if the, if the
1: Bengals beat the Steelers? So, that's the bet. If the Bengals win, I have to wear the jersey. So It's an
2: easy bet. It's just wearing a jersey for a little of, bit. Of
1: course. Of course yeah. it's an easy bet. That's That's not a problem. But what do I get? if the Pittsburgh Steelers win this matchup. See,
2: I I had nothing on the table either. I was just so confident. I'm like, I don't even need any Well, well, I'm not a goofball like you. No, I'm not a goofball. (laughs) I I knew that I was going to have the pure satisfaction of another Bengals loss, and I would get to rub it in. That's how I I viewed that. Well, I need some skin in the game as well, sir. Well, there you go. Keep that in mind. I'll let you and Doug figure that out. (laughs) All right, so a big one coming up here, uh, week 10 uh, coming out of the bye week, and I'm curious, when you look at some of the matchups around the NFL, there's not a lot of big upset there's not a lot of matchups that I'm confident picking the upset in. Every week we pick our upsets. And I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued by this Bengals-Steelers matchup. I don't think that the Bengals are going to win. That's I'm not willing to go there. But I have I've at least been pretty cordial today in entertaining the Bengals fans and their thoughts for why it could happen. And I actually agree with a lot of the reasonings for why Bengals fans believe it could potentially happen. I'm, look... And I don't believe that Bengals fans think that their team is better than the Steelers. It's just a simple one-off matchup coming up this weekend that they feel that the Steelers are vulnerable enough for their team who has a lot of confidence, especially after a whole extra week to prepare for the Steelers and writing off that confidence of beating a good team in the Titans, a division leader there. Man, I I tell you, I could see why Bengals fans are feeling pretty good about this matchup. But we're taking your calls at 457-9464. Also, your reaction for those watching on Twitter and on Facebook and on YouTube, Bengals fans, do you believe that your Bengals will pull off the upset coming up this weekend? Four five seven nine four six four. No, I'm just pointing out the other one. That's all. Let's go to the Facebook feed and reaction real quick while your calls are coming in. Let's go to Ann. Shout out to Ann. Yeah. She says that she's picking the Bengals over the Steelers. Oh. oh, no. She says Bengals over Steelers. No way, in all capital letters. She said anyone could play quarterback for the Steelers and win. Joe has nothing around him, unfortunately. Not a Bengal fan, but I so wish that I was wrong. That comes from Ann. Now, she's not wrong. I mean, anyone could technically play for the Steelers <laughs> and they play 500 football. They were 8-8 eight and eight last year with the platoon of Duck Hodges and, of course, Mason Rudolph. So I'm just saying, like, yes, she's not She's not wrong. She's not wrong. <laughs> you could. Yeah, they, they're a playoff team. Not wrong. If that same scenario presented itself this year, the Steelers are in the playoffs. If the problem is, is Big Ben comes back and They win eight games in the first half of the season, which was the total amount of wins in 16 games last year.
1: Confident quarterback, man. Competent quarterback playing complimentary football. Ben obviously isn't the Ben of old where he's throwing for 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns and everything like that. He is part of the the sum of the parts. He's not the guy that's leading in the victory anymore. He's making sure they don't blow games and mess things up and throw interceptions and fumble the ball left and right, checking them in and out of the right plays. You know, Ben is gradually turning into a game manager and every so often, like we saw last week, he can turn back the hands of time and lead you to a victory in the fourth quarter where he goes no huddle, five wide and starts slinging the ball all over the place. I don't think he can do that. Consistently throughout a whole regular season,
2: but I'll take any win I can get right about now. All right, eight no Steelers. Welcome in the two five and one uh, Cincinnati Bengals coming up this weekend. Big matchup again, and the Bengals yeah. fans they feel confident. They feel pretty confident. Uh, you Bengals fans feel pretty confident that it can get done. Not all of you. Some Bengals fans have said, "No, no, no, don't don't lump me into that." Uh, but I have been impressed with how confident these Bengals fans are. Who we got on hold, Kev? We got your mics up. Uh, Scott, welcome in, sir. How are you? Doing great. How are you? Good. What you have for us today?
6: Well, I, I'm going to chime in about the Bengals. Um, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I just, it's Steelers. Come on. <clears throat> I watched them last year, and I thought everything was lined up. The stars were aligned. And then Mason Rudolph went out there and ran basically Trotwood Madison's offense against them, and they still beat the Bengals.
2: What, what's, what's wrong with Troutwood Madison's offense, by the way? That, well, it's great for
6: high school, but in the NFL, I mean, it, it, in the NFL, you shouldn't be able to play that kind of offense and NFL football players be able to stop, not be able to stop it. So I was very embarrassed by <laughs> by, by, that loss. And it, and it wasn't like, uh, you know, it wasn't the Bengals were, were lined up and everything was great, you know. It, it, we have a puncher's chance. I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm consciously optimistic. We have a little bit of a puncher's chance because because Joe Burrow is is Joe Burrow. You know he's he's out there and he stands strong and he and and he'll, he'll, he, he's like a Timex.
2: You know, and um, I like him. No, I I mean Joe Burrow. The effect that he has had on this team and this fan base. He did. He's doing for the Bengals this year what Baker did for the Browns his rookie year. And I don't even care about the wins and losses. It's just about getting the fan base to believe again. Bengals fans don't like Baker, that's fine. But you have to admit that that is the, one of the biggest comparisons between the two is that both quarterbacks have gotten this, both losing fan bases to buy in again and to feel confident about the direction of the franchise. So that's what Joe Burrow has accomplished already. You get a big win over the Titans. But as uh, one of our callers said earlier on Facebook about the the Steelers being that gold standard, you know, that's how you kind of rate your team. How do you perform against the top of your division? And that's really what it's going to come down to. So if they get blown out, it's really going to feel like the Bengals took a step back after what they accomplished against the Titans last week.
6: Yeah, that was a feeling we had after the Ravens game. Mm-hmm. It was a, they, they they just humbled. They
2: humbled the Bengals. Well, it's like um, that with the Browns, too. And the Browns are winning games, and they're in the playoff conversation. And, you know, you have fans like me who start getting cocky and excited, and then you see them go up against the top of the division, and you're like, holy crap, even at five wins, we still are miles behind where we want to be. And so it's depressing sometimes. But that's why these matchups are fun leading into them, but they're not so fun by halftime half the time.
6: <laughs> right. Absolutely. So that's just, that's just how I feel. I mean, I'm going to support my Bengals. I'm going, to, I'm going to watch that game. I'm going to, you know, have a few adult beverages, and I, and I may yell at the TV a little bit. But um, this really – I already knew this was at the best five or six win season and, and, and we're, we're building, and I'm just scared to death. I hate to use the word building when we're talking about a Mike Brown team. But uh, I'm thinking that he, he, as he, every year goes by, it seems like he steps back a little bit more and a little bit more, and he's he's letting the coaches make uh, more personnel decisions. He's letting people that understand it make a little bit more personnel decisions, and maybe one day he, they'll overcome him.
2: No kidding, and they have the quarterback. That's the most important piece. When you get the quarterback, that's the biggest piece to the puzzle that you need, and it should make things easier, but uh, who knows how that's going to look Especially. moving look forward
6: especially in those first five years when you've got him on that rookie contract.
2: Oh, yeah, from the financial flexibility you're going to have because not all your money, not your, the biggest chunk of your money is not invested into one position being your quarterback. You can go out and provide him weapons. Say what you want about the Browns, it may not always lead to you know the playoffs and it may not lead to a lot of winning football, but, hell, you can't say they haven't tried. You can't say the Browns didn't look at their investment and say, man, we need to provide him with everything he needs to be successful. The Browns have done it. The Bengals need to get on board with that, too.
6: Absolutely, absolutely. You have to tip your cap to the Browns, and I hate to say that. Um, the, the, the best part about the Browns is they found a way to fire two of the greatest coaches of all time.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, except now Bill Belichick, he's doing his best Browns coaching job this year with the Patriots, so there you go.
6: There it is. <laughs> so, well, you do what you do with what you got.
2: Yeah, exactly. Hey, great hearing from you, Scott. Take care. All right, thanks. Bye. All right, back to the Facebook reaction. Uh, Steve Stetler on Facebook says, come on, man, it's the Bengals, Kev, Man up. Take the bet. I, I need to see what he's
1: putting on the table as well. You know, he's got to... If I'm going to be taking a risk, he got to take a risk as well, right?
2: I guess. I mean, don't ask me. I just went in on the bet and said, fine, I'll wear the damn jersey. <laughs> if they, You know, uh, on Twitter, Periscope, whatever, their their handle is here for beer. Cheers. Is this Charlie? Charlie, is that you? It's Hooper. Uh, he's this big upset coming. So... There you go. It sounds like a Bengals uh, vote for the Bengals right there. Laura Dell on Facebook. Laura says, Bengals fan here. I'm confident that the Bengals will play a good game, but I don't think we're going to see a win here. We found too many creative ways to lose for me to be confident in a win with an upset. So, I mean... It's not as if you know, the Bengals are getting blown out every single week. They've been in a lot of games. I mean, that's what was the biggest you know complaint they had was how many one-possession losses they've had. We can't call this team a rebuilding team and say, oh, man, they're, you know they have too many holes. But yet, they're in every game. And it's one coaching decision. It's one play that you can go back and change in each of those games. And the Bengals have a winning record and could potentially be fighting for a final playoff spot. But that's why I don't like to use the rebuilding excuse for this Bengals team because if rebuilding teams aren't one or two plays every single week away from winning and being in the playoff conversation. That's where my biggest complaints always come into play. We have time for another one before we take the rest of your calls on the other side. Who we have, Kev? We got Charlie, a different Charlie. A different Charlie. All right, Charlie, how are you, sir? Hey,
5: you, you, hey I'm doing good. You guys got to stop. Stop giving that worthless fan base. They're not going to win. They don't have a
2: chance. So this is Browns fan, Charlie, right? No, this
5: this is Pittsburgh
2: fan. Pittsburgh, Charlie. Okay. We got we need a Charlie for the Browns, and then we'll have like a Charlie for every fan base in the division. How about that? All right, Charlie, I'll let you finish your thought.
5: Listen, you seen what happened when they played Baltimore's defense?
2: <laughs> I saw what happened when the Browns played that too. So I got to be careful how I word that.
5: The Titans, the Titans can't get after the quarterback. The Jaguars can't get after the quarterback. Now I'll admit the Bengals defense played good against the Titans. They played great against the Titans. But come on, come on! They're, it doesn't matter if it's Duck. It don't matter if it's Mason. It don't matter if it's Ben. They're not going to. They're not going to beat the defense. I'll be surprised if they score.
2: <laughs> You'll be surprised we, if they score.
5: We blitz over fifty percent, and we get to the quarterback every time we blitz. Joe Burrow is going to be in a body bag by the time the
2: game's over. <laughs> Look, that's the thing that I was pointing out for the majority of the first half of the season, was the fact that, hey, they were in a lot of games, that the offensive line keeps saying how bad they are, but he's throwing for all these yards. But that offensive line has been bad. They feel confident because they were able to block for him against the Titans. Again, you talked about how they have no pass rush. I've been concerned about what this game is going to look like for the Bengals because of that offensive line for them and because of that damn pass rush for you guys and the Steelers. So I'm with you. That's where this game can get real ugly, and I don't just mean the score. It could be the physicality of it for their investment, Joe Burrow, who they didn't invest in offensive line-wise in the offseason.
5: Are we going to act like their offensive line is all of a sudden good now? I mean, because they got a backed up guard from uh, Seattle. I mean, are we going to act like they're good because they can block the Titans? Davion Clowney doesn't even have a, uh, a sack this year. Te- the offensive line is still terrible. I mean, kudos. You can block a terrible defensive line, terrible offensive line. I mean, this is it's, it's just this is crazy. They have no chance. Kevin, take that bet because you ain't going to have to wear it. <laughs>
2: You're getting you're getting ripped on Facebook too, Kev. A lot of people calling you out. Uh, we're, hold up, we we'll stay on the line here with us, uh, Charlie. I'm trying to find this. Where to go? Oh, Dean McDonald on Facebook says Kev is not confident in the Steelers win at all. At least Kenner had some confidence. Weak. You hear that, Kev? You're being weak. Okay. If the
5: Steelers, when they, lose, if the Steelers <laughs> lose, I will come in here on Monday and give you guys the
2: who day. That's how tough I am. They're
5: terrible. They're they're terrible. They're, oh, they're terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I'm with you. I was trying to take I it hope back.
5: Rudolph plays, so we can embarrass him.
2: <laughs> well, Mason Rudolph, there was a play against the Cowboys over the weekend. I mean, he dropped back. He had time to throw. He had Claypool open up on the sideline, and he just threw that thing. Just, I mean, aired it out of bounds. And even the wide receiver even stopped and looked at him like, "What the hell are you doing?" Like, I was wide open, and you aired it, man. Like, it's just unbelievable. So I'm with you on that. Uh, but it's going to. Be, I want Big Ben to play. I want the full Steelers experience for the Bengals. There the
5: worst go. thing that's happened is these guys went to a buy off of a win. The worst thing that's happened. Now they think they're going to run the table and make the playoffs or something. They're
2: pitiful. <laughs> Did you see that Sports Illustrated put out an article talking about how Joe Burrow has entered the MVP conversation? Are you serious? If,
5: that, if, if that's if
2: the case, okay, then Justin Herbert's going to win it. I, thank you. Thank you. See, we're on the same. I like this Charlie. See, Char- I like the other Charlie, too. He seems like a nice guy, but this Charlie guy, he gets it. Until yeah. Browns week, probably, and then we probably will, will butt heads. But until then, so. <laughs> Charlie, well, good stuff, man. Got,
5: at least you guys got Miles Garrett swinging helmet. These guys ain't going to even have that to
2: stand a chance. <laughs> All right, man. Great hearing from you, Charlie. Take care. See you guys. Later. All right. So uh, we don't hear from Steelers fans often, but this is what I'm saying. Like. Steelers fans and the Steelers, they just sit back and they laugh at the Browns fans, they laugh at the Bengals fans. We are an embarrassing bunch. Okay, we got I mean, we literally argue over, no, we're going to be the third place team this year. No, we're going to be the third place team this year. We are an embarrassing bunch. Bengals fans, us Browns fans, we're the biggest losers out there. Like it's unbelievable. Like, we really do a And then you get this Charlie guy who seems like a nice guy, but you could tell he just finally had had enough. Yeah. He had heard enough of the goofy Browns fans, including me. He had heard enough of you goofy Bengals fans. He had had enough. Like, sometimes it takes a guy like Charlie to point out that, man, we are an embarrassing bunch. Browns fans, Bengals fans. But, hey, at the end of the day, we all got each other. All we'll that see. Matters. We'll see. All right, more of your calls, more of your reaction next. Don't go anywhere. Kinner Show, live here on ESPN Dayton. All right, we are in hour number two. Coming up here about 20 minutes from now, ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz will, of course, recap the big weekend of college football uh, this past Saturday. I tell you what, for a weekend that included Ohio State Rutgers, I was thinking that that would be a down weekend. But Indiana's making things interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually really looking forward to this coming up weekend. Something come, we're going to get into coming up around the corner. Indiana, Maryland, which team, Buckeye fans, are you more concerned about? Which which program, which game, matchup has you more Uneasy, and don't do the whole none of them. I'm not worried about any of them. I know Ohio State's significantly better than both of those teams, talent-wise, skill-wise, coach-wise. But both of those teams have some, mm-hmm. you know, they have some some zip to them. Yeah, and we've seen Ohio State's weaknesses to know that. One of these teams could potentially expose that. We never would have guessed a few years ago that Maryland would take it to Ohio State the way that they did. And Ohio State was able to come away with it. So we'll talk about that coming up. Plus, they have an explosive quarterback, obviously. Tua! Well, not Tua, but Tua his brother. So there's that. But we'll get into some college football coming up around the corner. But I wanted to make sure we close the the Bengals conversation out by getting to all your calls, as many of them as we can. Doug Toby uh, says, It's a six point spread. If Pittsburgh covers, I'll buy you famous recipe three piece chicken strips, mashed potatoes, coleslaw, but you got to eat it in front of Kenner. <laughs> Listen. Chicken Chuck has our back, man. No offense, Doug. You're gonna have to pick a different uh, a food place to kind of entice us. Like Chicken Chuck has our back. If we if we want from famous recipe chicken, if we want a three piece chicken strip meal, all I gotta do is just text my guy Chicken Chuck and tell him I'm having a bad day, and I probably have to give him a who day. You know, I have to probably, You know, I have to tell him <laughs> hey, the Bengals are there. You know, and then say who day. I, I might be able to get that. So you need to bring us something that's difficult. You know,
1: maybe. Let me think about it. Let me think about a restaurant he could provide Actually, no, for us. Actually, no. Forget me.
2: This is your bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is you. Yeah, this is I'm between talking. you two. Yeah, What's my bad. I'm this is between I'm you out. two. Let me think of a restaurant, and, uh, you know, we still got two hours to go. I'll, I'll get back to you. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, dude, dude, Don Roberts has a question for you, Kev. He says, yep. Kev, uh, what is the update... I uh, what is up? Update on all the COVID issues with the Steelers this week. Uh, I think they have to test every day. You need yeah, yeah. You gotta test every day, uh, especially
1: after you um, have the symptoms and everything like that. Um, from the Mike Tomlin interview I just saw from his presser, they're expecting you know uh, not only bam but Vince Williams to play on Sunday, um, but. You can say that all you want, coach. If he's got the Rona, he's not playing. (laughs) So I don't know what he's talking about, to be perfectly honest. So I guess guess we just, I think this is going to be, you know,
2: I guess today, right? He has to test negative three times, right? Three times, yep. That's the same with Baker. So Baker, when the news came out over the weekend, it was Sunday morning that Baker was put into their COVID protocol. He has to test negative three times this week to be able to, you know, I think he could be back at practice as early as tomorrow. I haven't heard the update. Right. I haven't found out whether or not he tested negative today or not. Um, but they're saying that, you know, he had, it was just through contact tracing. They were right. able to go back, and he had been in contact with the individual who tested positive so that he just has to test negative three times and he could be back out on the field. But COVID's running, I mean, just through college football, like you wouldn't believe. Shaw, thank you for sending this in. Bama versus LSU and A&M versus Tennessee both postponed due to Rona, according to ESPN. Um, the other one too is Auburn Mississippi State also postponed um, you know it, it's but hey at least you were first to start the season right SEC <laughs> I, uh,
1: oh awesome. my I, yeah I just saw it on Twitter now I just pulled it up yep
2: Charles so we had the uh, you know real quick Ron Howard says 9-0 is hard to do that last caller is ludicrous Luda <laughs> Big Ben is hurt left game Sunday that guy on some good weed Ron you're, you're just upset first of all the Steelers can go nine to zero. They have a winnable week ten game. They have a winnable week eleven game. They could be twelve and zero heading into that matchup with the Ravens here on Sunday Night Football on November twenty sixth. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. That could be the first loss of the season. But again, they made Lamar look like they made him look chaotic as could be uh, in their last matchup. And look, if this was a team that was relying on Big Ben, I mean, they are to an extent they need. But if they were like off if they were only dependent on that offense, they'd be in trouble. Yes. That defense is there. Like, to be fair, that defense took care of business against the Cowboys late in that second half. They finally flipped that switch, and Cowboys look like they normally do. So, <laughs> that defense, that's why they could potentially go 9, 10-0, maybe even you know 11-0. When it's all said and done, depending on what happens with the with the Ravens coming up here in a few weeks, but let's go back to the phones four five seven nine four six four Bengals fans, how confident are you? Is the Bengals Steelers matchup this Sunday? Is that the upset game of the week, week ten? Are you confident in your Bengals? Could they pull off the upset? Let's close it out. Let's go to the phones, Kev. Who we have? We got Rick. 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 Welcome in. How are you?
7: Hey, how you doing, Justin Kev? Hey, good. Yeah. I think this is a huge, huge opportunity for the Bengals this weekend. If they can pull out a win, and that's a big if, you know, hopefully Ben won't play, which will practically improve odds. But if they can win this weekend, their next four games are against Washington, the Giants, Miami, and Dallas. And all four of those are winnable games. That would put their record at 7-5-1 and one with three games left to go. Like I said, so this is a huge opportunity this weekend for the Bengals.
2: Yeah, and the thing is, they don't even have to win. To still feel like they got to win, I know that sounds funny, but what I mean is like they, if they could just go out there and look like, you know, if Joe Burrow could just go out there and move the ball and look like he can go punch for punch with Big Ben for even if the majority of the game, that's a win for Bengals fans. That again, as we talked about earlier, the Steelers are that the gold standard in the AFC North. Everything is compared to them, and if you can compete with them, not even just beat them, but compete with them, that that Bengals fans should still feel pretty good about that. All things considered, with how many holes this team has on their offense and defense, uh, but Bengals fans, if you're going to get that close, I think it would be I think Bengals fans, here's the other question would you rather get blown out or lose by one possession? I think you're tired of losing by one possession by now.
7: <laughs> uh, I would feel better if we still just lost by one possession because I know we're still in the game all the time you know. and I'm just so close to turning it around. And One thing if you look at um, I think the stats, I think the Bengals out of all the division teams have won more road games in Pittsburgh than either Cleveland or Baltimore especially in the last 20 years so they can win in Pittsburgh you know unlike Cleveland
2: oh definitely I mean don't yeah thanks for that I have nothing I have no defense for Cleveland at all No, I'll give you this. I'm usually the biggest Bengals hater in the world. I get that. I wear that crown proudly. But um, I don't think they're going to win, but I'm not willing to say they're going to get blown out either. I think that the Bengals are riding high off that confidence from from the Titans game, having to buy a week, extra week to prepare. Steelers reeling a little bit after that Cowboys game. We'll see. It'll be fun. I think they
7: can win, but my confidence level, I put them at about 33%.
2: 33%. All right. Like I said,
7: he goes up
2: to 50-50 if Ben doesn't play. Okay, so it's dependent on if Big Ben plays or not. As of right now, it's up in the air. uh, But we should know in the coming days, obviously, what his status is heading into that game. So a lot of time left between now and Sunday, that's for sure. Yeah. Rick, thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for talking to me. Anytime, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Who we got next? We got Reggie. Reggie, how are you? Is this Go Browns Reggie? This isn't anybody, Reggie. Reggie said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Who, next up, we got Steve. Steve, how are you, sir? Welcome in.
5: I am good. Kev Nash, Kev Nash, Kev
1: Nash. What's up, man? I,
5: I cannot believe that you are not going to take that simple bet. I mean, there, there's no He's soft. Way. <laughs> First off, over under five sacks.
1: Uh, over.
5: I agree. I think it's going to be six. You know, second thing, over under two interceptions. Under. I say it's two. I say one. two.
2: I was going to go two and I'm going to go over on the inter- on the sacks as well. I'm going 7 on the sacks and 2 on the interceptions. Minka well. get his customary interception in the end zone.
5: So how in the world do you think the Bengals are going to win that game? I mean, you got to take the bet all day long. And I'm not a Bengals fan. I am a Dolphins fan. You guys know that. I am more worried about the, the Dolphins getting beat this weekend than the Steelers getting beat. Who you guys this weekend. got?
2: Chargers. Okay. Ah, the battle of the two best rookie quarterbacks in the NFL. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's gonna be a good game, yeah. I think. But I mean there's a couple
5: reasons you should take the bet, Kev. Number one, you look a lot better in the Jersey than Kenner. You gotta go all day long on that. Number two, this point spread is actually seven and a half, not six. <laughs>
2: I was gonna say I saw seven and a half last time, but they took the line down since the news of uh, Big Ben going to the COVID list has come out. So, yeah.
5: And the, and the third thing, and like I said, I don't have any skin in the game. If they lose, if the, if the Bengals win, I will bring you guys a twelve pack of beverage of your choice on ice Ooh. down to the station if you take the bet.
2: You hear that? <laughs> See, now, see, this this caller smart because now he's bringing in the team aspect. Like, you'd be be letting me down if you didn't follow through on this.
1: Well, you know, I'm I'm just trying to, you know what I'm saying, grease the wheels, try to get something out of it. Because when the bet was initially placed to me, it was saying, hey, you wear this if the Bengals win. And he wasn't trying to give up anything. But now he's offered food. You're offering adult
2: beverages, so we're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. Yeah, you know, you make me sick. You know, you. <laughs> I can't stand that you're one of the Steelers fans that like that doesn't talk smack. It drives me nuts. I can't associate with people who aren't like me. Like it, it drives me nuts. Like come on, like you can't talk a little. I mean, it's the Steelers. If there's anyone in this room that has the right to talk as much smack as I do, it's you.
1: It's. You
2: got to show and prove,
1: man. Ah, like, uh, here we talk, go. We can, can talk one day at a, a time. Head. We can talk our heads off about uh, how great Ben Roethlisberger is and everything like that. Or somebody could blindside hit him and
2: snap his neck and leg in two pieces. Well, as I said, an yeah. asteroid could hit Earth, and then we just all won't be here. And, and then we'll be we the back game. out there with Mason Rudolph, and then then what? And he would survive <laughs> that problem. like that
5: last caller. He said he was 33% confident. That's not real confident. He's a Bengals fan. <laughs> percent Are you kidding me?
2: He said that's with Big Ben playing, without Big Ben it goes up to 50. But let's be clear. If we really <laughs> simplify it down, every game is 50-50. You either well, unless you're the Bengals and tie, of course. But uh you know, 50 you either win or you lose, right? Like either win or you lose. There you go. Well, you got my offer on the table.
1: Appreciate uh, so. it, man. Appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> All
2: right, you guys take it easy. Yeah, Adios, man. Man, see you've riled some people up cuz you won't come through on these on the on the bet. And they're right. Like I didn't even get, I didn't even ask for anything in return on mine. I just wanted well, the pure satisfaction of of Bengals lost. compensation. And you, you and the compensation for you is the pure satisfaction of, huh? My team's nine to zero. No, I need some. I need some tangible. Uh, you're the worst kind of Steelers <laughs> fan. You're the kind of Steelers fan that doesn't talk smack. I can't. I don't respect that. I don't. <laughs> what? I don't. I don't. I don't talk trash, man. I, don't, I mean, there's no need for me to talk trash. You're not man. a real fan, dude. You oh, know speaking you of that, you don't know that. Is that
4: who it is? <laughs> The true American, welcome the in intro music.
2: Well I'll get that intro music yeah, since you've been calling Well been you called- you disappeared been- for a while, but now that you're a regular I'll get your music Dude, back.
4: Disappear for a while. Everybody listens and you know, Slim knows, everybody knows, the true American doesn't work a nine to five white collar job. I'm a true American.
2: Well what do you work? What are your hours?
4: Uh well this week I'm on days. And I go in at five o'clock and I work till three. Or sometimes I gotta get up at two to go in at three. Then on second shift I work at 3 till 3, and then midnight, it's 11 to 7 or 11 to 11. Now, this That's, Charles those Mitchell... Are true, those are true American working hours.
2: Charles Mitchell on Facebook, he's a Bengals fan. He said that your hours depend on the result of Browns game. So when the Browns win...
4: Well, whoever this punk ass is, Mitchell, I don't I want to list him. I'll, I'll give you the results for Sunday's game. Here's what I want to happen. I want it to wind up in a tie... Hopefully, Burrow will get hit and he'll get his knee dislocated. Uh, Big Ben might re-injure the arm, and that'll you know. Oh, he's on the COVID list now, right? Yes. Where's Where's Baker at? Is he going to be able to play this week or not? If he
2: tests negative today, he should be able to return to practice tomorrow.
4: Okay. Well, not so much him. We're winning in spite of him, and that's and I and I'm not a Baker hater. I still believe there should be could be something there. The guy has had been at a disadvantage because, let's look, let's be honest, guys, yeah, we know what he did his rookie year. He broke Peyton Manning's rookie record, 27 touchdowns, 10 picks. The guy, you know, you've had two or three different coaches. That's not good for any quarterback or you know, in the league. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Peyton Manning, Baker Mayfield, Drew Brees, whatever. And the organization has been in dysfunction. We all know this. I still think the guy can get it done. Now, can he get us to the Super Bowl? That right there, I'm waiting to see. But I want to see some consistency. I told you a couple weeks ago when I was on days, I want to see a couple games where he personally, not the defense, not the offense, not the running game, I want to see where he personally can take it on his shoulders. And And he did it at Cincinnati, but we all know the Pop Warner team down there, their squad. And what's up with these Bengal fans? All of a sudden, man, they, are they on LSD from back in the day or whatever? They're talking about going ten five and one and making a really? Are you serious? I mean, come on, people! The, the, all their winnable games, they got you know. You got to line them up and play them, uh, Bengals fans, for uh, the sixteen weeks, four quarters at a time. Don't. It's amazing how they they, they hide away and you don't hear nothing. Then they start hooting out there. You know what I'm saying? it it, it drives it's not so much that I hate the Bengals as I hate their fans Oh, fans suck
2: and by the way Charles Mitchell again the Bengals fan he comes back and says if he had to guess he said you're working second shift next week because he's predicting the Browns loss
4: oh well good for him well hopefully his Bengals won't even score and like I said they'll wind up in a zero they'll get him another tie you can send that back to him since he has a texting device and I don't
2: I'll pass the message we'll, on we'll
4: to him. Get, uh, we'll take care of Houston Sunday. We'll get us on a little three game run here. We'll be fine. And we'll be in the playoffs, and Cincinnati can be watching us.
2: There he is. The ultimate Browns fan, the true American. And come on, Charles. Stop stirring the pot. <laughs> if there's one thing I can't stand for, is that. <laughs> Charles, you know better. Takes one than no one. You know better, Charles. All right, let's talk with ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz on the other side. We'll talk about, of course, the slate of Week 10 NFL games coming up and as well as the big news out of the college football world. we even have college football games this Saturday. I mean, everyone's just postponing, postponing, postponing. No, we'll talk about that with Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, Spain and Fitz, one half of that show from 7 to 9 weeknight starting on 1410 ESPN Radio. He joins us next. Don't go anywhere. You Kev Nash with you here on Dayton's ESPN radio station. I love the confidence of the Bengals fans this week. I love that, you know, and we've got some Steelers fans to call in and talk some smack. <laughs> I mean, it takes a lot to get you Steelers fans to react to anything because you sit up there on your high horse and you judge us Browns and Bengals fans like we aren't worthy. And I've told you before, we embarrass ourselves. I mean, we literally argue every year between Browns and Bengals. No, we're going to be third place. No, we're going to be third place. But now the Browns get targeted. We're going to be third place, but we're going to make the playoffs. The NFL just announced that they've expanded the playoffs to 16 teams. Yikes that's huge it was huge anyways it was expanded before technically coming in but to be honest with you that's why that loss against the Raiders is really starting to piss me off a little bit because it's a jumbled mess right there for those final couple spots as we head into the second half and that loss could come back to haunt the Browns later and it could really help the Raiders and I think it's a heck of a transition to bring on our next guest we have ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz the ultimate Raiders fan joining us now Jason welcome in sir how are you
8: I'm good. And and look, you're you're spitting truth right there. That's why I said last week, you know, I circled before the season started. To me, Raiders Browns is the most important game the Raiders would play all season. And we saw why uh, going into that game because I believe both are playoff teams. I picked both to make the playoffs going into the season. And frankly, if that's what's going to happen, then you got to win those games for seeding and opportunity. And, you know, now you look forward in a few weeks. The Raiders play the Dolphins, another game that will have huge playoff ramifications because it's going to be about this middle tier and who can separate themselves.
2: So they add this extra play, they expand the playoffs, which I'm I'm especially for for this season. But has enough really happened this year to warrant doing that? I mean, it's kind of like there hasn't been no game, no games have been missed. I mean, the one Titan Steelers game has already been made up. So I'm curious your thoughts. Like, it's not a bad thing that they did it, but I, I don't understand why they did it. In my opinion.
8: Yeah, I think they're just preparing for the inevitability, but I'm with you. There is a little bit of a sense of like, might as well wait. I mean, it kind of like the Big Ten. I mean, I, 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 at the time when the Big Ten canceled football, so many of us were saying, well, why now? Why not wait and see what happens? I would ask the NFL the same question. It's good to have the policy in place, but I don't know why you enact anything until you've actually seen what happens and what you need moving forward. So, But at the very least, it's the first time we've seen the NFL openly admit they need a contingency plan, so that's
2: pretty substantial you know in in real quick to feed off of that too why would they not have announced that maybe a week before the trade deadline do you believe that would have changed some team i mean it was a very boring trade deadline i'll say that but would that have changed some team's approach to the trade deadline the nfl is not the most active trade deadline sport out there but would that have changed some team's approach to the trade deadline if teams that maybe didn't think they have a shot now are like well man we actually now are a step closer yeah
8: especially seeing that we saw some names go you know like dunlap goes for what a sixth rounder like I mean, if you're talking about a six-round swap to get you a better opportunity to get in the playoffs, I think people certainly would be more aggressive. And you're also right, it was a quiet trade deadline. I think we have to sort of acknowledge, too, though, are you willing as an organization to trade future assets without knowing if the season's even going to finish? And you know, while we don't really talk about that possibility often, I think it's got to be in the back of your mind. If you're a GM, you're being asked to get rid of draft picks. So I wasn't surprised it was a quiet deadline, uh, but you're right. I think it would have been a little more active if we'd at least known at that point.
1: We got the Bengals-Steelers this week. Obviously, that's a hot-button issue here in Ohio. Can Joe Burrow beat the Steelers?
8: Well, you guys know how much I love Joe Burrow. And, you know, I, I almost felt bad. I, we were having a conversation on Monday Night Football on our digital preview show that I do with Field Yates and Diana Rossini, and the question was, you know, which players? Top five ranking we were doing of the young players in the league that you would build a franchise around. And uh, they put Burrow in at number five in that conversation, above Dak, for example. And I think the hard part is that we're still so new to to seeing Burrow. As much as I love his work, he can't beat them alone. And the offensive line that that performs so well against the Titans is going to have to have another big-time performance. This is a big test for Burrow in general. It's a big test for Coach Taylor also to see what kind of game plan they can come in with and and what kind of opportunity they can have to win this game against one of the few teams in the NFL that actually seems to give a damn about playing defense
2: look at the Steelers, uh, I say struggles. I mean, look, they, they looked a little rough against the Ravens two weeks ago. They looked really rough against the Cowboys, still coming away with wins, only undefeated team in the National Football League. Uh, before we called you, of course, we were talking with all Bengals fans, saying, hey, you know, how confident are you that this could potentially be an upset? The one reason I stated that I do not think there will be an upset this week is mainly because the, the Steelers played so poorly against the Cowboys, such a well-coached team and led behind a veteran quarterback in Big Ben, assuming he plays. I just don't see them playing two poor games back-to-back weeks.
8: Yeah, and that I agree with. I think that's a really good point by you because we undersell how stinking great Mike Tomlin is. And I mean stinking great. You think about the coach, and look, I've listened to Steelers fans for years sort of apologize for why they don't have more Super Bowls with Big Ben and put it all at the feet of Tomlin. I think if there's anything we've learned over the last couple of years, we've spent a long time underappreciating the greatness of his coaching ability. I cannot imagine that they lay an egg again. And I think, frankly, everybody's a little fired up right now. Burrow is getting so much love. I think you see a little bit of pride come in now when you're playing against them. So uh, for those reasons, I, I have a hard time seeing it. Also, let's just be real. I mean, the Steelers are talented and do disguise well. So while at this point Joe Burrow has done a great job of knowing where to go with the football, I'd be pretty stunned to see him come in and not struggle a little bit Against the defense that is good at disguising, disguising blitzing coverage, so gonna be asking a lot. Again, he's gonna be under duress the whole time too, so his ability to stay calm will be a big part of it too. I just I have a hard time. It's not a statement against the Bengals, though. It's a statement for the Steelers and how good they are.
1: I see this as a must-win game for the Pittsburgh Steelers only because Kansas City is eight and one right now, and since there's only one bye for the number one seed in the NFL this year in the playoffs like they have to keep winning because kansas city is going to keep winning because they can just go ahead and take entire halves off against carolina and then storm back and win the game so it's very imperative in my opinion that the steelers win these quote-unquote must-win games like i was telling kenner earlier like okay it's fine to lose to the ravens but you can't lose these games like to the Bengals and to the cowboys yeah
8: you're right about the the pressure on the steelers here also I mean, your point is a really valid one when it comes to what we've seen from the Chiefs. Let's just, I mean, I know they struggled against Carolina. They struggled against the Chargers. Both of those games, they took a half off and they still came back and and won. And frankly, I'm still trying to figure out how the hell the Raiders beat them. I I mean, that was just (laughs) an anomaly, right? Like, I believe that if the Kansas City Chiefs show up ready to play on any given Sunday, they beat anybody. So, for the Steelers, they just don't have any wiggle room. It's just it's hard for me to look at a game and feel like there's going to be a game left where I don't think that the chiefs win. And that's just the the beast that everybody in the AFC is up against. So uh, you're right. Also, you know, at some point the Steelers got They've got to figure out how to get better, even though that sounds mm-hmm. weird with their record. They, I mean, the eye test, to use the college football phrase, I love so much and hate so much all at once. The eye test is not undefeated for, for the Steelers. They have, they've looked, sloppy at times and still gotten away with wins. So, I don't think... You don't have the luxury of the benefit of the doubt that the Chiefs earned last year because it doesn't matter. We've seen what they look like. This Steelers team's got to play better.
2: We have ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz with us here. One half of Spain and Fitz weeknights from 7 to 9, which you can catch right here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410, Wing AM. Jason, I'm known for all my uh, horrible hot takes, uh, obviously. Now, you had a hot take last week. You you had a hot take that the... As we transition to college football, that Notre Dame would... They would get blown out by Clemson. You you were adamant that they had no chance against Clemson. Now, you've been taking it on the chin all you the know, last couple of days since then. So just uh, what happened?
8: Yeah, that's a great question. I'm still trying to figure out what happened. I underestimated <laughs> Notre Dame's defense. I did. I underestimated Notre Dame's team speed. And if anybody in the country thought Ian Book was going to have that game, I would love for you to rewind and tell me where you <laughs> saw that coming. Because... I mean, Ian Book has been so maddeningly inconsistent. My biggest belief coming into the game is that Brett Menemble, the defensive coordinator for Clemson, is so good that Ian Book wasn't going to be able to figure out where it was coming from and he was just going to get some. Now, that being said, not only did the offensive line for Notre Dame, but also their running backs, their blitz pickup was just... I mean, they were the smartest team in the country uh, on that during that game. and. Uh, You know, at at that point, I think if they run it back ten times, I'm not sure Notre Dame wins that game over and over and over again. But doesn't take anything else, anything away from the fact that they did it, and I was absolutely wrong about it. So kudos to Notre Dame. But I'd still go that when we get to the ACC championship, I'll still be predicting a blowout for Clemson, because they're still the better team (laughs) in my mind.
2: The rankings are always interesting. Cincinnati's an interesting team over here with Luke Fickle that we've spent a lot of time talking about. And, you know, it's funny. I look at a team like Georgia who, who picks up their second loss. And, you know, they're not in the top ten anymore, but they're, at number, you know, they're sitting at 12. And it's one of those where we're not punishing them for losing twice. You have Cincinnati who's undefeated. And, of course, I've made the argument that the college football playoff, to me, has really never been about getting the four best teams in. It's always been about getting the four best resumes in. That, to me, is what's working against Cincinnati, not just this season, but every season. Until we are shown something differently from the committee, but Cincinnati moves back after getting a big win. They improved to six and zero. Ohio State stays right where they're at. Notre Dame moves up. Clemson just drops back a couple. In your opinion, how on a scale of one to ten, the chances that Cincinnati could possibly make the college football playoff this season, as long as they win out,
8: uh, seven. And uh, mm. look, I mean, and you know, for anyone that doesn't know, Michael Jr. and I have hosted rankings reaction together digitally. It'll come back starting on Tuesday. We've done this show for three years. I've done the mock committee process for the playoff. I feel like I, I have a really good understanding of the way things go. And the biggest thing that we have to remember, because you're right, uh, it's never – everybody always asks, is it best or is it most qualified? I think it's the best of the most qualified. And that's a slight nuance to the way that it's discussed. But here's the thing. When you talk about Georgia, they have a blowout loss to Alabama. So they're out of the conversation. And Texas A&M is the team everybody's trying to cram in. They have a blowout loss. The committee has told you if you lose a game – in blowout fashion, you cannot make the playoffs. So
2: Buckeye fans know this. Anybody
8: that right, right, exactly, right. So I'm taking anybody that has a blowout loss out of the conversation. That means at this point, yes, the Ohio State, Alabama, they are both headed towards the playoff. I can't see that not happening. So then it becomes about okay, whichever team, Clemson or Notre Dame. I believe Clemson wins the ACC championship game. So now the question becomes, what happens to Notre Dame if Notre Dame? loses the ACC championship game in dramatic fashion at the end of the game, yes, I think two ACC teams get in. But the problem is, to your point with the resume, none of the Big 12 teams have a resume. The The Big 10 as a whole looks really bad. Wisconsin's the only one that has a shot. They're not going to play enough football to get in. The Pac-12 is not highly regarded. So you start putting flaws in everybody else's resume, there is no flaw to the way that Cincinnati's won games. And Luke Fickle has done a tremendous job in building a team that's explosive on both sides of the ball, that's been great. We talked to Coach last week on Spain and Fitz. I believe that he is a superstar coach, and he's put Cincinnati in the right position. They get a little love because UCF has been left out of this conversation. This is the year that corrects. I think UCF is going to make the playoffs.
1: So, Notre Dame, this week they got Boston College. All the way back in 1993 after they beat Florida State, the number one team in the country, they lost to Boston College. Can we get a repeat of that?
8: I don't think so, not only because Notre Dame's a better team, but because every Notre Dame fan I've talked to or, like, junior, former players I've talked to all understand the importance of this game. I think Notre Dame comes fired in for this game. The trickier game for Notre Dame is going to be North Carolina because this season didn't go the way that anybody expected for Matt Brown and the Tar Heels, but they are still a dynamic offense that's very talented, and I believe that that's the sort of game Notre Dame could overlook because there isn't this intrinsic history with UNC. So... I, I really wonder if North Carolina is the trip-up game for the Irish. And uh, if not, at some point I may have to give them respect, but still, come on. Let's acknowledge that, that we, were, we were a dramatic ending away from that fumble being the, the defining moment of Ian Bush's entire college career.
2: You know, and last thing here on college football, uh, you know, the Pac-12, they're the last one to the party, so we're assuming that the college football playoff picture is going to feature, a lot you know, the top eight teams right now in that jumbled mess, and, you know, we know the four are in that mess somewhere, or do we? Of the Pac-12, I know Oregon's could potentially be in that conversation. But how much damage can can the Pac-12 do? As USC gets that come from behind win over Herm Edwards, uh, you know, team Arizona State over the weekend. What kind of damage does the Pac-12 have a shot in your opinion? Do you feel good about a Pac-12 team potentially vying for a college football playoff spot?
8: I honestly think Cincinnati has a better shot than the Pac-12. But I will say, Oregon was really impressive. You know, we spent so much time figuring out what they were going to do. With Chuck at quarterback and what that was going to look like. We forgot that, you know, they're not even going to throw the ball because they're just going to run all over everybody. And kudos to their offensive line that's got so many pieces in it that aren't normal for coming out and playing that well. But you're right. I think USD's big win, and that was a calculated risk by the Pac 12. They moved the kickoff early because they wanted to be a bigger part of the conversation. They wanted more highlights to run. They wanted the Pac 12 to be recognized. And what we got was an epic ending, and Keaton's glove was looked incredible, and we're all in love with it. But that was the USC team that got their butt for all but the last three minutes of that mm-hmm. game. So, you know, I, I think we get a little twisted on the highlights and results without remembering that Arizona State's not all that good, and they took USC right down to the wires. So I just don't think – I think the, the Pac-12 is going to trip over each other, and they don't walk in with the same level of street cred that the Big Ten and the SEC get. So they'll eliminate themselves from the conversation.
2: Indiana for this will be the last. Is Indiana for real? We're we're doing a question here shortly with Buckeye fans. We have Maryland coming up in, in Indiana. Ohio State will be favored in both of those. But I'm just curious, you know, of those two teams for Buckeye fans, which of those two opponents kind of worries Ohio State fans just a little bit more than the other, mainly because of the offense that both bring to the table. But is Indiana for real? What's going? I never thought I'd see a day where, where Maryland, Rutgers, or Maryland, and, and you have of course Indiana and and, Nebraska, and Northwestern all have better records than Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn state it's a it's typical 2020
8: yeah this, this has been the strangest year and you're right i mean the first time in history in since the big 10 became a conference that uh indiana and northwestern are both 3-0 and in conference play at the same time like that shows you how unexpected this is i, I look i think pennix is, is a really good quarterback and i i would love to see indiana be legit i just think that this is less about indiana and more about how bad and how underprepared specifically Michigan. Like, Michigan got out-hustled against Michigan State. They got flat-out beat by Indiana. And that was a statement to Jim Harbaugh in preparation of that team. They did not look good from the outset. Indiana, I got a lot of credit for them, but And then Maryland, on the other side, to your question about upcoming opponents, I mean, we saw this last year from Maryland when they exploded for points and then everybody figured it out. But of a Light, you know, the younger brother, uh, has looked incredible. And I, I'd love to see Maryland and Indiana go on runs. They're just top to bottom, not as talented as Ohio State. Like, we've got to remember at some point that what we've really seen this year is that Ohio State is a great football team, and the rest of the Big Ten this year isn't very good. And so Indiana's rising. That's great. It's a fun story. But to imply that there's anything other than a massive ocean between Ohio State and the rest of the Big Ten, I think is is absolutely not true
2: all right good stuff jason Fitz. one half of spain and Fitz. weeknights from seven to nine right here on 1410 espn radio one more time give everyone information too about the the digital show you and Mike Golick jr do as well the college football uh college football show
8: oh yeah rankings reaction comes back next tuesday so after you get the rankings on espn you can just tune into espn and in the app or on twitter and jr and i uh we usually hang out in the couch although socially distanced so we don't know what it'll look like this year we'll be uh Hanging it out. We do all of the same reacting. We just do it in a more casual, and we think fun way. So it's a good way to get all of your college football reaction
2: fixed. All right. Sounds like, a, sounds like a plan. We'll definitely be looking forward to tuning in. Jason, thanks so much, as always. Take care. Thanks. Y'all have a great week. Later. All right. Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio. Good stuff there. In fact, uh, you talked about that rankings reaction show. That's coming back because, well, the rankings are coming out. They're, they're, they're coming out like the, the ones that matter, right? The
4: real
1: ones.
2: The real ones. Now, everyone said, you know, the AP – Rankings don't matter. And then when the college football playoff rankings come out, if we don't like where Ohio State is, we'll say, well, the first one doesn't matter. And then if they move into number one or two in the second week, then they'll matter. Uh, That's just how this works. The the rankings that matter are the ones that show us where we want our teams to be. And then when they don't have our team where we want them, what the the hell do these people know?
1: (laughs) Right? What would I say in that situation?
2: One week at a time. That's right. Uh, you know, all you got to do is just win every week and things will take care of itself. God, that's so boring. That's a weird, I mean, no, hot takes. Come but on. It's a fact. Hot takes.
9: It's a fact.
2: Uh, but it's boring. If that's the case, you know, that we we won't ever talk college football until we know who's in the national. Actually, we'll just wait till the national championship is over and say, well, we took it one day at a time. We just <laughs> needed to wait. We, you know, there's no point having an opinion because everything can change tomorrow. Call me when it's over. <laughs> uh, we'll be back, folks. Don't go to 457-9464. Thank you, Jason Fitz, for your time. We'll be back in a moment. There's no place like Home for the Holidays or HomeDepot.com
10: for holiday decor with Black Friday prices inside and out. Like
2: artificial Christmas trees starting just $39.98 or outside lights and playful inflatables to bring joy to the neighborhood. Order holiday decor online and you'll even get free delivery. Holiday decorating improved with an assortment of holiday decor plus free online delivery from HomeDepot.com. How doers get more done while supplies
0: last. Thousands of locally owned Napa stores across the nation. Chances are that wherever you call home, we do too. And that's why you can find us in big cities, small towns, and everywhere in between. Doing what we've always... He's a former Buckeyes great, and now a college football Hall of
2: Famer. And don't forget about his thirteen. All right, everybody, we welcome you back. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash, Dayton ZSPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. We're live on Facebook. Search The Justin Kinner Show and uh, follow along, of course. Every time you uh, jump in on the conversation, of course, we pull your comment into the show. Show off your little Facebook profile picture. You get to be involved in the conversation. Always a lot of fun. Don Roberts says, uh, Kev, I don't talk smack either. He's another Steelers fan. He goes, I don't talk smack either, Kev. Go Steelers. It's like your fan base who have been there before. Look You guys are annoying. <laughs> I'll take the I'll take the the dumbness of Bengals fans over the the snootiness of Steelers fans. Snootiness, oh yeah. How is this snooty? Oh, hold on! Don't get a nosebleed, Kev. I'm just chilling, to, man. Know. Hopefully, you can come back down here and hang out with us, normal folks. You all right? I mean, I hate that you have to spend three hours with us losers every day. <laughs> <My> losers. <guess>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah Anyway, Ooh, don't
1: touch it. Don't go, don't go there. Don't we go good. there. Well,
2: I'm good. I don't go there. What Never do it. Yes, I'm not even an opinionated person. <laughs> All right. How about this? Let's uh, close out hour number two. The Cameron crazies have been sidelined as collegiate sports continue to wrestle with the impact of the coronavirus. Duke will not have fans for college basketball games. Uh, and again, Duke announced this Tuesday that it will not have fans at Cameron Indoor Stadium for men's and women's basketball home games, uh, silencing one of the game's most historic and frenzied. Venues. Uh, so this sounds like it's for the entire season, not wow. just uh, for the early, you know, for the early part. You know various conferences have come out and said, you know, for at least you know November, December. Um, the school has announced its ACC schedule. North Carolina, February sixth, uh, and, Mar- and March sixth, of course, on the road. Um, you know, it goes on to say that a trip to Duke home basketball games is a bucket list item for most coll- uh, collegiate basketball fans. Capacity is about nine thousand. It feels like they are surrounded by a hundred thousand people in the building. Uh, it just goes on to talk about the, you know, the historic relevance of the fact that they, you know, pulling the plug on fans at Cameron Indoor Stadium, uh, coming up this season speaking of this basketball season uh, we kinda know that we're well on the road to the college basketball season but the NBA season finally has been approved to start on December 22nd NBA Players Union uh, they all reach an agreement on the amended CBA with free agency set to begin on November 20th which keep in mind the reason that's significant as we talked about with Matt Babcock from Babcock Hoops the other day the season starts on december 22nd Mm -hmm. the nba draft is november 18th (laughs) nba free agency then takes place on november 20th so teams right now are all in flux i saw that like the lakers and the heat will go 70 like a little over 70 plus days between finals and games yeah the teams who did not play in the bubble have had over 260 days off between March and now. Cavs. Oh, yeah. They should be well-rested, right? They should be well-rested. But this is going to be strange. If anything, you know, people who are feeling sorry for the Lakers and the Heat who just have to hit the ground running again, they might be in better shape than these teams who haven't played since March. Like, I mean, I don't feel I mean, look. If LeBron needs a rest, he's going to get a rest. Yes. Uh, if LeBron and the Lakers don't repeat as NBA champions, it's not going to be because they only had 70 days off between finals and when they tipped off the next season. It is strictly going to be because another roster is constructed better or they don't play as well. It's going to have nothing to do with this. I think we're making too much of the lack of rest between games. Look, keep in mind, March 11th or 12th or whenever the last game was of the regular season when COVID took it down back in March, they went about four and a half months without a game, which is way longer than your traditional NBA offseason. Mm-hmm. The NBA offseason is one of the shorter ones, so I don't. I think they'll be fine. A veteran-led group, give some guys some off nights, they'll be fine. But Anthony Davis, veteran player, not an old player. LeBron's old, <laughs> plays better than most veterans, uh, younger veterans, so Lakers will be fine. As we talked about earlier, lots of teams being devastated by the coronavirus right now as far as having to postpone cancel games. The SEC basically is having a bye week this coming up weekend. Auburn Tigers also have paused activities after 12 positive coronavirus tests. And this is the thing I got into it with fans over the weekend about the Notre Dame game because my next article here says that Notre Dame mandates COVID testing after the football celebration on Saturday. Um, Of course, the fans, like a bunch of morons, all rushed the field after their big win over Clemson, which, by the way, that's a big win for Notre Dame. Yes. Huge. But if Ohio State would have beat Clemson at the shoe, Buckeye fans aren't rushing the field. I don't know. Because act like you've been there before. I don't know. Uh, Really? I, I don't know. I don't feel like they would. I feel like it'd be a big win. I guess they yeah, rush the it field for Michigan,
1: Ru- but that's rush the field for me. I was at that game when they rushed the field, for Michigan Herb's first year. I rushed the field, but I believe that uh, they do rush the field simply because it's Clemson. It's a big time opponent, quote unquote number one team in the country, at our place, and we've never beat Clemson. So
2: I believe if that happened at Ohio State, people would rush the field too. Oh 31 thirty one zero. I hate you. Um, <laughs> no, so Clemson or Notre Dame fans rush the field. I don't. I'm. Not, I, by the way, even if Ohio State rush the field, I don't care one way or another. Okay, I do care though during a pandemic. Yeah. And now here's the part of the conversation where people are like, "Oh my God, I'm so sick of being." talked to talked at about the coronavirus i'm not talking at you about the coronavirus my opinion is simply stemmed around the impact of the virus like people don't care like there are people out there there's a reason that the numbers have spread to to where they are because people aren't afraid of the virus they don't care about their health they don't care about the health of others that's a given don't try to argue me otherwise for those of you out there who thinks this was all like just made up and everything you're full of it i'll leave it at that my opinion on the virus is simply based on how it impacts sports because even if I believe that the virus was a joke and made up and that it wasn't real, I still have to acknowledge that a positive test, whether it's real or not, impacts an entire season.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I mean, Trevor Lawrence missed the game over the weekend, not because he needed a night off to study, because he tested positive for the coronavirus. And whether you think the virus is serious or not, or, oh man, these players should not be missing games for that. If he was healthy, he should have been able to play. Even if that's your opinion, it doesn't matter because the rule is: you test positive, you're out for a significant amount of time for quarantine, and of course, uh, you know, you know, they have to the cardiac test and everything else that they have to do. Right. And the Big Ten, Justin Fields, if he tests positive, he's out for 21 days. You could think that's stupid. Okay, whatever. It doesn't change the fact that he's out for 21 days. So my opinion on it is: yes, it is a big deal when players test positive because of stuff like this. So Notre Dame rushing the field. They're morons. They try to act like, oh, man, Notre Dame. You know, we, we're, we're very selective on the students. We come here. Not only are they have to be big and athletic, they have to have the brains, too. We don't just let anyone come here like Ohio State. Oh, you know, we're we're Notre Dame. Well, I just saw thousands of the stupidest kids in the world all rush the field this past Saturday. So Notre Dame fans, if you're a fan of Notre Dame, shame on you. And you, all right, don't don't ever ever waste my time with calling in here and trying to tell me how smart Notre Dame is because you just had an entire student section make you guys look like the stupidest fan base in the entire world. So nice job, student section. School spirit? No, school stupidity. How about that? Notre Dame. It's not off to get to win the dumbest fan base award, but hey, congratulations for defending that. What if those players test positive, Kev? There were players on the field, and then you have Kelly who said, "Oh well, you know, I've warned my players before that they need to get." Off the field because if we win the students are rushing the field so if you knew that why didn't you have security step up and make sure that doesn't happen? Why did, And see, and then on Facebook, Twitter, everyone, like right away, oh, the fun police sucking the fun right out of the... What are you talking about, people? <laughs> There's not. a
1: reason why a lot of these other places aren't allowing fans at the games. That's why they're allowing limited capacity at a lot of these games because we know that this is how college football, this is how the student body reacts to big-time wins and everything like that. This is... It's not safe to do it. Matter of fact... I would question anybody going to these games that isn't, like, a blood relative. Like, my godson plays for Centerville. I don't go to those games. I'm not going to be going to none of those basketball games this year. Sorry. (laughs) Skype me after
2: the game. Let me know how it went. So you, uh, so you, because you couldn't contain yourself, you'd rush the field after. Probably. Absolutely, you know. Good I, shot, I, baby. You, you would rush the field. I know how that goes. Just well. bump. Four five seven nine four six four. I'm curious. I just, I, I really want to know, you know, people's thoughts on this. Because, like I said, I'm not anti fun. I don't mind student sections having fun. But my goodness, my goodness, when, when you, I don't care what your opinion is about the virus. You, you may mock it. You may mock the, the. You know,
8: live here on ESPN Dayton.
2: back. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. So the 2020-2021 810 Men's Basketball Preseason Awards and Poll came out today, and uh, Jalen Crutcher was named to the preseason all-conference first team. You don't um, say. Out of the A-10, which that should surprise absolutely nobody, but really not a lot of love for anyone else in the Flyers roster as of right now. Look, I think everyone gets all caught up in these preseason polls and awards. They matter at the time, but a month into the season, two months, it doesn't matter at that point. You know what I mean? Like it, So, Jalen Crutcher was a given, and they're not in the top 25. They didn't get any top 25 votes. Everyone's a little upset about that. Just as you like to say, everything will take care of itself. It's a great coach, solid roster, yep. kind of experience from last year's run. It's unfortunate they didn't get to have that in full display in the NCAA tournament. They'll be fine. This team will be fine. I'm excited to see what this team's capable of doing. I'm a little bummed, of course, that they uh, opted out of the um, the, the crossover classic. Uh, you know, Ohio State did as well and uh, we're going to talk about that in a moment but uh, real quick as we close out the talk about the the A10 basketball preseason awards and the poll UD coming in at number 3 predicted to finish number 3 in the okay. conference. Right. So again, even if you're predicted to finish number 1, you don't get to hang a banner for that, not right. the hang banners, but you know it means nothing. They they're in charge of what the perception is moving forward. I mean, it is what it is. I think it's tough. Look, you have a player in OB top, and he wasn't just good. He was great. Right. And he's about to be picked in probably the top five in the NBA draft coming up next week. Like, I'm not saying he, he hurts the Flyers this year because of how great he was last year. And they were new to the scene nationally, at least in recent history. I'm not talking about the Elite Eight run, you know, a few years ago. I'm talking about new to the scene of not just the top 25, not just the top 10, but the damn top five. You You're number three in the country. And when you take that success and you put it all on the shoulders of one player and that one player leaves, like let's be clear, of course you're going to see a significant significant drop-off in the attention that the program gets. But what they built last year, that, that was more than just the foundation for what they're going to build off moving forward. And it, 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 it will be fine. And that's coming from me, who always finds problems with everything. They'll be <laughs> fine. You know, Anthony Grant has done a fantastic job. They're going to continue to do a great job. I'm not worried about it. But with the, with the classic, uh, with both teams, Ohio State and UD opting out, You know, it's interesting. Tomorrow, we're going to have Mark Adams uh, on the show to talk about, you know, what's going on in college basketball right now with the difficulties in scheduling and the difficulties, you know, that, in my opinion, there are difficulties in scheduling, but some of those difficulties are like self-inflicted wounds, to be honest with you. I think the egos of some universities are keeping them from getting easier matchups on their schedule, not only easy as in competitiveness level-wise, but easy as in Mm -hmm. access-wise. In this city alone, I know that UD puts their nose up to right states, but I don't want to hear from... Um, Their athletic director, Neil Sullivan, and I mean this in no disrespectful way at all, but I know it'll be taken that way. I don't want to hear him or read his quotes in the Dayton Daily News like last year when he talked about how difficult it is to schedule and it's tough to find games when that's not true. You've created created your own mess as far as that goes of being selective, which is fine because it's hard to argue about the job he did. He clearly put together a schedule last year that was good enough to get them to that conversation. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it is what it is. But there is no excuse for what you have I mean, the state of Ohio alone, and I'm not talking about doing this big Ohio classic that everyone's so obsessed with with you know, we take four teams and of course right state's always left out of that. And by the way, I get that. I'm not arguing that they should be in the four. But U D to act like, Oh man, we have oh we have to go an hour here for this team, an hour here for this team, an hour here you have a team twelve miles from you. That is not going to one way or another make or break your NCAA tournament chances, okay? When you have other bad teams on your schedule and that you – and to me, this makes no sense. Just because you have money doesn't mean you have to spend money. Mm. You wouldn't have to pay Wright State to, to do a home at home right? You wouldn't have to pay Wright State to do that, but you would rather pay opponents to come in and get an ass whoop and just so you can get your 20 wins for the season to rack up your resume, which I get from that standpoint. It's good business trying to build your resume for the NCAA tournament. I get that. But – for my business, this is why I, I don't feel bad for universities during COVID who talk about, man, we're taking such a big hit money-wise. You Go look at the spending of how they spend their money. It's so stupid. You literally, with teams galore around you, you spend money on opponents to come in just so you can get your Ws on the year. Like, that's ridiculous. I don't feel bad when you're going to talk about the difficulties in scheduling when you create your own problems as far as that goes. They're the bully to Wright State, and Ohio State's the bully to UD. Mm. Right, like if you really think about everything that UD thinks about right? State, Ohio State thinks about UD. We don't have to play them. What does playing UD do for us? Now, technically, because of the status of UD as of late with what they've been able to accomplish, they do kind of help Ohio State more than Wright State would help UD because Wright State's not going to help them, uh, you you know, as far as, you know, you look at the, you know, the quadrants and everything else, you know, those tier wins and everything like that. Wright State's not going to help UD as far as that goes, the way UD would help Ohio. Like, if Ohio State beats UD, that helps them more resume-wise than UD beating Wright State as far as that goes. But it doesn't matter. I'm tired of every year we get to this point where we start reading newspaper clippings. Is that a thing anymore? Uh, you know, headli- you know Twitter, Twitter headlines. Yeah, Twitter headlines and Twitter clippings of athletic directors having the nerve to say, man, it's just it's tough out there. We can't if one, no one wants to play us. No one, no one wants to play. I mean, because we're UD, we're so good, no one wants to come into the arena. Folks, I'm going to tell you a little secret. No one wants to go to the Nutter Center and play either. It's not a status of, oh, because we're so good, no one wants to come play us. It's a status of the teams you want to come play you don't want to come play you, not because you're really good. It's because of the conference you play in. It's not a – they don't look at UD and snob UD. They look at the conference and snob the conference. Like, Ohio State's not going to come to the UD arena and play at UD arena. I'm not saying it hasn't been done before, but you see my point. Mm-hmm. Like, right now, in the in today's climate of college basketball, they are not going to look at Ohio or UD and say, oh, yeah, we'll come play you there. Now I'm getting right away, people are like, well, Ohio State was willing to go play Cincinnati. Again, Cincinnati, UD, great college basketball programs, A-10, American Conference. The American Conference got the rub there, not the A-10.
1: And UC used to be in the Big East when the Big East was like the gigantic conference before, yep. you know, everybody bailed to the ACC and everything like that. I think it's just very difficult, especially for you and I since we're, you know, right state alums, to and love college basketball as much as we do when, you know, when the season tips off and you see Villanova playing, you know, the five the Philadelphia five schools and things like that, you know. So it's very difficult to watch that and then you have two teams in your
2: hometown that refuse to play each other. Not two teams that refuse to play each other. There's one team that refuses to play the other one. I know for a fact that one school has contacted the other one. I know that. So I'll leave that there. But keep in mind, I get I'm not one of those that I'm not upset I I get mad at UD for not playing Wright State for the BS reasons that they try to convince the fan base why they don't do it.
1: Right. So like this year, Villanova, they're playing Saint Joe's on the thirtieth. Yep. Like like that's a thing there like they make it a big deal everybody comes out you got your st joe's fans you got your nova wildcat fans and everybody comes out and has a great time and it's a great revenue generator for the city now obviously it wouldn't be a great revenue generator because (laughs) can't go to the games this year but you know in a normal situation think about how many people will be at that game think about the bragging rights think about the generation of money that could be for both institutions and everything like that. I just see it as a missed opportunity. And whoever's making those calls not to make this game happen, shame on you. Shame on you. Boosters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who it is. I'm not tapped in
2: like oh, that. So, no, it, but it's, boosters. I, it, it's definitely
1: a shame on them situation.
2: Um, and look, and, and by the way, I know that there is an art to scheduling. It's not as simple as like, okay, we need to at least get, you know, X amount of non-conference games. In. You got to make the non-conference games count. But what I don't like is that literally teams would rather fork over money to bring opponents in than to just schedule a home-and-home home that doesn't require you spending dollars on that. So that's why I have a problem with that. In a day and age where we're having to feel bad for teams because we're losing revenue because of COVID, well, you spend money stupid anyways. I'm pretty sure if you changed how you handled your scheduling with that, you could save money instead of spending thousands of dollars per team to bring them in just to whoop them for a little bit. You know, if, if you are so much better than right State, wouldn't you, couldn't you just do it for free? You know, rather than pay a Detroit or a Cleveland State out of the horizon, why would you pay them to come in to kick their butt when all you do is your fan base and everyone just insinuates that right UD is so much better than Wright State? Why, here's a good business decision for you, and it's free. People love free things. People love free stuff. Mm-hmm. If you're so much better than that team 12 miles away, bring them in. You get to kick their ass for free. you're so much better than them, do it for free. What well, you know what I mean like don't pay stop wasting money on paying opponents to come in. just just beat up on some of the local teams you know do with Miami of Ohio bring in Ohio University beat up on them for a little bit pulling green beat them all up win the mac championship do what you got to do <laughs> Uh, hold up, real quick. The, you know, Michael Green says you know, nobody wants to come to the Nutter Center, not even Wright State fans. Well, Michael, that's actually not necessarily true. What Wright State has is actually about normal for what the norm is in college basketball. UD is such a special place that they have something that is not normal, and it's a good thing. What they have is great. What UD has is outside of the norm in right. college basketball. Wright State gets about you know anywhere between four to 6,000 fans per game. That's about on the use for a mid-major basketball program. In fact, that's well above the average for most mid-major basketball programs. So I'm acknowledging that both live in two different worlds. UD is above Wright State in regards to the conference that they play in, the revenue and the, and the, and the, and the resources they have. Wright State can't touch that. I can't touch. I'm acknowledging that. I'm not acting like they're on the same playing field and that that, you know, that they should be doing the same things. That's not true. Right state as far as money go, goes, like they spend in the horizon league especially for most schools in the state of Ohio, they're at the bottom in regards to money spent. They're not close to being on the same planet. Mm-hmm. But that's not the argument I'm trying to make here. And to Michael's point, you know, nobody wants to come to the Nutter Center. Well, guess what? Nobody can go to the Nutter Center. So for the UD fans that like to use the excuse of, yeah, well, I don't, UD is not going to go fill up the Nutter Center. Well, then you know what? You're out of one of those dumb excuses you always use for why the two programs don't play. Because fans aren't allowed at the Nutter Center this year, so technically UD could they could man up and go play at the Nutter Center, and they wouldn't have to worry about that fear. Oh man, I don't want to put I don't want to create business for these right states. I don't want to put fans in their stands. They can just go play. They
1: can just go play. We'll see.
2: You know, (laughs) do it. They can go play at the Croc Center. Hey, go do it. (laughs) Go to the Nutter Center. Play. They can't have fans at the Nutter Center this year. So that little crybaby excuse of, oh, well, you know, we don't want to put fans in their stands. Well, guess what? You can't. Not allowed. So you know what? You're fine. So, and like I said, here's the other question I had for UD fans. That's what, you know, this is what I'm really curious about. If Ohio State contacted UD, okay, if, if Ohio State contacted UD and said, we're willing to play. You come to us. It's a one-off. We're not going to the arena. Do they take it? And of course, on Twitter today, got a couple people back and forth saying a thousand percent yes. I don't think it's a thousand percent yes. Really? I don't think it's a thousand percent yes. UD reminds me of UCF. UD reminds me of UCF. Now, it's a little different. Florida reached out to UCF and offered them like a three for one. Yeah. Which, by the way, when you're UCF and you struggle getting these big-time matchups, I don't care if it's all four at Florida. You say yes because you need those. I mean, it's, that's why it's a little different than college basketball. That UCF needs that matchup more than UD needs Ohio State. But, you know, we're talking about an hour gap between the two. Of course, you'd like to see it happen, especially two in-state schools as good as both are. But I do believe UD looks at themselves – after, again, they're a successful basketball program, but they have not dominated the A-10. It's not as if they are just literally strangling that conference. They don't have it by the neck. and strang- Last year was a uh, beyond fantastic year. Mm-hmm. Keep building on that. Keep doing that. Then you can have the mindset of, oh, no, we're not going to be disrespected by being offered a one-off. You're going to come here, too. I get from a business standpoint why you want the home and homes. Mm-hmm. You want, you know, hey, we'll go play you twice. You come here once. Like, God, you know, do it. Do what you got to do. But Ohio, UD will not, in my opinion, I think their egos are going to get in the way. They would not accept a game at Ohio State and then not get one in return. Man. Like, that's just how I, I mean, there there is too much involved in that. And I do not believe for one second that they would accept a one-off game. Um you know, Sully, who we're going to have later this week, you know, he tweeted and said, you know, they got to they take anything at this point. They got to accept anything. You know, they sh- do what you got to do to get this done. If that was their approach, then that other matchup from across town would happen. Because if it truly is about doing anything at all costs to get games, get games. there's a school 12 miles away that'll do it. So that, that's where I just truly believe that if Ohio State was even willing to play UD. That Ohio State has every right to not say, I don't want to play at the arena, and UD should grant that. Say, fine, we'll come play you, even if they don't get a return game.
1: I get you. I get you. It's just so difficult when you see Kentucky last year and they played Evansville. You see North Carolina, they played North Carolina Wilmington. You see Duke playing in-state schools. Uh, Matter of fact, you see Duke playing um, North Carolina A&T. So it's like... Look, man. They just got a big recruit, by the way. Yes. <laughs> so it, for me, it's like, hold on. You're not North Carolina. You're not Duke. You're not Kentucky. I think we all can agree to that. Yep. So if they can play these teams, and not only sometimes play these teams, sometimes they're even going to those cities to play. What makes you so different? What, in, what entitlement do you have to say, shun the school that's 12 miles away? I have no idea what it is about. I have no idea. I'm totally in the dark. I've been asking this question since I became a freshman at Wright State a long time ago. Questioning, well, why don't they play? And nobody has the answer. Nobody can give me a clear, concise, direct answer of why they won't play.
2: There are, I mean, with the new, I mean, the NCAA tournament, the strength of schedule, the quadrant system, and all. Right from that standpoint, right state does not benefit U D from the quadrant system of you know where you got it, you know the certain games and the wins you need to get in certain. Right state doesn't appease that, so I get that if they want to come out and wave that flag, fine. Um, But that's not that that's not what's going on because you can't say you can't say that right state. You can't play them because they don't help you, but then you turn around and you
1: play Cleveland State. Right. That's what I was about to say. You can't play teams from that exact conference and say this team isn't worthy. It I'd I would love I would love to hear the true answer. We'll never get the true answer why they won't play. We'll never get the true nope. answer. And nope. and like I I'm gonna say it plain and simple. Shame on you. Shame on you, man. This is this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous, man. To see, you know, these great matchups, and I know the UC and Xavier game a couple years ago got a little haywire with a fight and everything like that. But this is what people want to see. This is what the fans want to see. They want to see these matchups
2: of of teams that are. say see, UD proximity. fans will tell you they don't want to see it. Like as much as I think I would like to see it, I think it's because me and you are on the side of the underdog. So of course we want, you know, we want to say, right. yeah, let's do it. Let's see. UD fans, I don't think, care about it. And to be fair, in the job that Scott Nagy has done since coming to Wright State of putting that program on the map here in this city to the point to where they're getting five to 6,000 fans coming out for these games, I mean, there's been games the last couple of years that have been building blocks, and I'm like, I've been doing this for a while, and the atmosphere the last couple of years of games has just totally been different. But I can't talk like that because I get mocked by UD fans that say, oh, look, the 6,000 fans, he's talking about a great atmosphere. I'm talking about from where the program was when I first Mm -hmm. started covering the team to now just to see the growth. When I see fans go to the Nutter Center now, it's not just a matter of, oh, we're just, you know, if a a bucket's made, they're clapping, they're cheering, they got their free T-shirt. You know, they they got their dollar beer night, they're fine. Now you have... Fans who are filling up that place that are they have connections with the players now. There's fan favorites who are running up and down the floor like Loud and Love. Like just I just chatted with him today. We're going to have that interview later on. But he um, he's a fan favorite. Like fans know who he is. He's a you know amongst right state fans. Like that fan base has grown. It's not U D. It never will be U D. And I've never spoken to anyone in that administration over there that believes that they are U D or going to be. You focus on being you, and you focus right. on being as good as you are for who you are, for being right. a mid-major school. They are fine. They're above. They're way above average for who Wright State is and who uh, what size school they are and what size conference they're playing. Like, they're really, really good for who they are. Not comparing them to you. Just like UD, really, really good for who they are. They're not Duke. They're not North Carolina. Most years, they're not Ohio State. Last year was completely different, though. That Mm -hmm. was the outlier year. In my opinion, they're good enough. Anthony Grant's good enough to build a roster to where they are that. To where we're not going to wet our pants every time we see UD in the top ten because we should just expect him to get there. And Anthony Grant's good enough to get that done, and he's slowly doing it. Look at the recruiting bump that we just saw from after what, you know, that's why last year was so important. That's why I'm bummed that we didn't get to see UD in the NCAA tournament and get a chance to go up against the big dogs because what would have been different about that is – The elite eight-year run, you know, you're a Cinderella team. Right. It's a Cinderella run. Everything you do is like, well, if we win, we win. Great. If we lose, we weren't supposed to be here anyways. Last year, that wouldn't have been the case. Totally different. You were sitting at the adult table. You had adult beverage. You know, you you know, it's like you just turned 21 and now no one's judging. You know, asking you for your ID. You're just you're one of the cool kids now. That's what the expectation should be moving forward. So. to demand that Ohio State has to come here in some kind of game. No, that ain't going to happen, and it shouldn't. Ohio State's Ohio State. They've established themselves for many, many years. UD has the ups and the downs. They play in a smaller conference. That's what it's going to come down to. But I think that if Ohio State reaches out to UD and says, hey, we'll do it, but you got to come to us, they need to do it. There's no excuse. Both teams opted out of that damn classic. They have the same three days open. They have a little, the same three days open. But you believe they'll say no. I believe they will say no if Ohio State says you have to come to us and play us only. We will not go back for a return game. I believe that their egos will say no. Look what they just built last year. They're trying to convince people that there's Ohio State and there's us. And some are trying to convince you that there's UD and then Ohio State beneath them, which is crazy. But some believe that. Last year especially. But besides the point, my point is, is that they feel that they've built themselves up to be one of the faces of college basketball in the state of Ohio, which they are. Mm-hmm. And if you go to Columbus and get beat up by 20 and you don't get a return game and a chance to maybe beat up back on them, you know, I compared it to the Cincinnati game in football. Right. Like we're talking about Cincinnati football this year as this powerhouse, right? And they are. Cincinnati's really good for who they are. I don't think they match up well against an Alabama or an Ohio State or a Clemson. We saw Cincinnati play at Ohio State last year and got shut out 45 to nothing or whatever the score was. From that point on, you had guys like me who mocked Cincinnati and said, oh, so now those fans will be quiet because they're sitting there trying to tell us that, oh, they're one of the big dogs. And they got shut out by one of the big dogs, 45 nothing." I'm comparing UD basketball to Cincinnati football a little bit. They're newer to the scene, the national scene on a regular basis. It's like, okay, so now when you get your shot, you got to make it count. UD has to be smart. If they get a, situ- a time to play Ohio State, they need to make sure, for one, that their roster's strong enough to beat Ohio State. I think right. that they're there to do that. I mean, the heavy guard play, uh, you know, who knows the depth of the post position, but that's a conversation for later. they got to be smart for when they accept that matchup. I don't think they're against going to play there, but they do want a return matchup, because if you go and get beat bad, you would like to think that, okay, but at least we have them on our home floor next year. We'll be able to revenge that loss. If they go down, there will get beat by 20-plus. That shuts UD fans up and says, okay, stop. You tried to come play at our place. We shut you down. Now enough. I think they have to be selective, so that's why I also think that it wouldn't be a definite yes that they would definitely go play Ohio State in a one-off.
1: UD blows Ohio State out last year. I don't think so. I think it's close. The way that UD played defense, they can't – I believe Ohio State would have struggled to get the ball into the post to Wesson.
2: That's because Weston's dumbass is sitting out in the corner waiting for a three. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> All right, folks. We'll be back in a moment. But, man, I just want to see Ohio State UD play. We had Chris Holtman on the show earlier in the summer, and he said, oh, man, UD fans, they let him have it on Twitter. You're a coward. You're afraid. He's open for it, but he wants like what they had at Butler, you know? Yeah. And that's fine, but he talked about how difficult it is because you have to schedule it so far out in advance. You can't use that excuse right now because – Ohio State has three days open. UD has three days open. If they don't play each other, someone's to blame. Someone's to blame. You got to point the finger right. at somebody because there's really no excuse for it. And I asked the question: you know, which matchup is more likely to happen? Ohio State right State, Ohio State UD, or right State UD? Look, I'm not trying to be mean here, but like we had a charity game for the Oregon District shootings. It took two. It took two teams from out of state to come to a charity game for our city. When UD and Wright State didn't do a damn thing. And Neil Sullivan when asked about it said, "Well, we give back 365 days a year." That doesn't I don't care about that. I don't care about that situation. It shouldn't have taken take West Virginia uh who was it? Was it who who they play. I totally forgot. Doesn't matter. It wasn't yeah. Wright State, it wasn't UD. That was the problem. So, if a charity game for that type of severe situation couldn't force the hand of one of those two schools to make it happen, nothing will.
1: Yeah, that Wright State UD game ain't happening.
2: And it's pathetic.
1: Ever. I don't think it's ever going to happen. It ain't going to happen while we in town.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm saying. that That's my biggest. Like, if a charity game for the Oregon District shootings couldn't get UD to play right State, nothing will. Not even COVID. They would rather just say, we would rather just have... Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash, back with you here on fourteen ten ESPN Radio, and throw uh, out the question one more time, Kev. Again, which matchup is more likely to happen? If you could, if you had to put money on one of these matchups to happen, which one would it be? Which I mean, Ohio State, right state? That would be a buy game most likely, but as we talked about earlier, the conferences, when they when they do buy games, you don't buy the teams at the top of the conferences, right. especially when the preseason polls come out. That's one reason Wright State's not getting as many of those buy games. Now, of course, I don't know the behind the scenes as far as what Coach Nagy's philosophy is on, on those buy games, but when you're a, a school like Wright State, when every dollar matters at this point, you would think you would see more of them going and playing, you know, the Kentucky. Like when Coach Don, when Billy Donlin was the head coach, they went out on the road all the time. They were right. going up against the bigger schools all the time. They were playing Georgetown. They were playing Kentucky. They were playing Ohio State. They were playing, uh, you know, B- C- even Cincinnati, they were doing that. Yep. They actually got Cincinnati to come to the Nutter Center years ago. That was over 10 years ago, which was pretty cool. But they did buy games all the time. I don't yeah, know if I Coach Nagy's against that or not. I remember but. they played a game at Kentucky back when Tubby Smith was there. Mm-hmm. But see, the thing is, when you are those bigger schools, when you do buy games, you don't buy the top of the conferences. Even if you're picking a small conference like the Horizon League, when you're Kentucky and Ohio State, You're going to pull out those preseason polls. You're going to do your homework on what those teams are supposed to look like. You're not going to go knock on the door of... Wright State or Northern Kentucky, the you know top two teams in the conference and maybe not this year but you know Wright State's the preseason number 1 in their conference. Ohio State, Kentucky and others who are head and shoulders better than Wright State, but they're not going to take a chance on mm-hmm. paying a first place team out of a smaller conference to be their first place for a reason because they have enough talent to to be first. place. They're not going to pay the Wright States and the NKUs of the world to go get their butt beat. Right. They're going to go pay the Cleveland States and the you know the smaller schools in those conferences at the bottom, you right. know. You don't the, those big schools don't pay the top half of those conferences for to come for for a risk. Yeah. And sometimes they still get bit in the behind.
1: Yeah, and you don't want to play a senior related team from a smaller conference and then Joe Blow that you never even heard of in the scout reports knocks down 93s and now you're down 5 with 30 seconds to
2: go. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you don't want them problems. Yeah, yep. I mean you're it, on ESPN even early. Most few years ago when the last time Wright State and then Kentucky played, I don't remember the final score. They Kentucky won by double digits, but it was like, it was a 10, 12 point game with like four minutes to go. It was like, and we've seen in like Kentucky, who'd they, they, who they lose to last Evansville. year? Evansville. Evansville. And then they like lost every game afterwards. They fired their coach in the middle of the season, but man, they, they didn't care about what happened after that. They beat <laughs> Kentucky. But like, we see that happen. They were, they weren't supposed to be good. So Kentucky put them on the schedule, not because you would think that those bigger schools would say, man, Let's go, we'll slightly challenge ourselves. We'll go get the best of those smaller conferences. To ch- no. That's why UD also doesn't put Wright State on the schedule for that reason, among many other, among bus- bo- uh, Booster's approval, of course. Uh, that's why they'll spend money. You know, they'll go get a Cleveland State. You know, not not a good Cleveland State. Not back when they had, you know, Norris Cole, Brent, you know, when they had, years ago they had Bryn uh, Forbes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had Anton Grady. They had Trey Lewis. They had all these guys. I mean, Trey Lewis would go on to play at Louisville. Uh, Bryn Forbes went transferred to Michigan State. Now, I think last I checked, a backup point guard for the San Antonio Spurs. Yep. Anton, Anton Grady, of course. You know, he went to Wichita State after that. So, I mean, no one's playing that Cleveland State team. They're playing the... You know, the team that was, I think, like one got to the Horizon League title game a few years ago, only won like 12 games. Luckily, that's the year Wright State got back to the NCAA tournament. My point is of all these matchups that are most likely to happen Ohio State versus Wright State, Ohio State versus UD, or Wright State versus UD, I wish I could be confident that Ohio State UD would happen. That's the one that really makes sense, but so does Wright Wright State and UD. In the Uh, day and age of playing close games, that that Wright State
1: UD is not happening. That is, that's just not happening So the only ones on the table for me Is Wright State, Ohio State and UD, Ohio State Um Man I venture to say That the Ohio State, UD game What happened before the Ohio State, Wright State game I just Just something about it I think if Ohio State dials up UD and says Let's get it on I think they're chomping at the bit I think they're thinking like this is our opportunity I don't care where it is. Let's get it on. Like, that's how I think it will go down.
2: You know, I was joking earlier in the summer. I said if there was ever a year where UD should have reached out to Wright State and said, let's do this. Because there was doubt that there would even be a college basketball season not even a few months ago. So it was one of those where, you know, UD put Wright State on the schedule. And then cancel it at the last minute. And you could have at least (laughs) said, hey, well, we tried. But, you know, COVID, Rona. (laughs) Like, they didn't even do that. But this is the year. If it's going to happen, it has to be this year. And that stupid excuse of, well, we don't want to put fans in the stands at the Nutter Center. Well, guess what? They can't have fans in the stands this year, at least uh, to the end of December. So, you know what? Who cares? All right. I got one for
1: you. I got one for you. If Wright State gets a phone call from UD and says, let's do this, in that very instant, they get another call from Ohio State. Says, "Hey, you guys want to play? Which one is Wright State taking?
2: I think they take the UD game. They have a better chance of beating UD. I think the rosters again. UD's roster significantly better, but the gap between UD and Wright State. I've always said this. Maybe not last year. Last year was, I mean, was a different animal. Last year that team was Obi topping and company. Right. But the gap between I've." I think that gap's shrinking. Anthony Grant's doing a good job with that, but the gap between Ohio or but the gap between Wright State and UD is significantly smaller than the gap between Ohio State and UD. Even
1: if right, Ohio State is like, "Yo, we got this bag of money. We know that the financial situation going on at the Wright State athletics, little shaky. We got some money
2: for you and a hey, game." To be fair. The money situations with the school, not the athletics department. But, you know, I see your point. They're relying, and they have to rely on the athletics department yeah. to make them the money back. Uh, yeah. Uh, from that, from a business standpoint, yeah. So I guess that would make sense. But, you know, the they, fan in me is like, no, 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 no. But you're right. They have to take that UD game if
1: they call. Yeah. Because if they turn it down, they'll never get another opportunity and they'll never live it down. So you would have to turn down a ton of money. A ton of money. From the biggest school in the state, biggest one of the biggest schools in the world, to go ahead and get the opportunity that every right state Raider wants, they will have to do that. They will have to turn down that money, you
2: and, know. And and the other thing that should happen, to you, like Cincinnati Wright state, should be able to get a game together too. Scott Nagy and Brandon go back. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously those top two coaches in the Horizon League before Brandon left Nku to take the Cincinnati job. Brandon's a hell of a coach. Those two, I mean, that would be. But Brandon knows. Scott Nagy got the better of him on multiple occasions, you know, so it's, you know, uh, that should happen. You should see, you know, Xavier. I mean, it's just strange. Like I said, back when Billy Donlin was the coach, they got a lot of those Cincinnati matchups. They got the Xavier matchup. They got the, you know, they got all those matchups. They got the Kentucky's Ohio State's, which, again, the reason they got those you're at the bottom of the conference all the preseason polls. That's When Wright State would get to those conference championship games, it was always because... They were picked kind of towards the bottom, not last, but they were picked in the bottom half of the preseason polls. And then they would always do the, you know, win out in the conference tournament, get to the title game. Of course, Billy lost three of the four straight title games he got. Or he won, they made it to three of the last four title games that he was, you know, there for, and he lost all three of those. But, uh, yeah. But don't remind me. Coach Nagy's right, State team is much different, obviously, as far as that goes. But uh, Tyler Shorty says he wants, he wants to interrupt this conversation to say, just checking in to tell you that Baker still sucks. Uh, <laughs> hey, I don't know, man. Baker's numbers versus the, the Bengals look a lot different than Tannehill's number against the Bengals. Who's, who do who, who the, who the Titans have this week? It doesn't matter. Luckily, they don't have the Bengals because, you know, can't win that one. Oofa. Shrodie, oh, yeah, yeah. Alex Sheets on Facebook says, "Can, o- can Ohio State and U D even play each other? Big Ten football isn't allowing out of conference. How does that work in basketball? Uh, that that's not a rule for basketball. For one, I mean, for one, these two teams are supposed to not face off each, each other, but they had non-conference matchups in a lot of those, um, the cl- you know, the crossover classic and everything in Sioux Falls um, for that. So Schrody said the Colts." you better beat the Colts. The Browns beat the Colts, Schrody. (laughs) The Browns beat the Colts, so you better beat the Colts as far as that goes. All right, our basketball stuff's done for the day, by the way. I I mean... We're lucky to live it for me because I grew up the biggest basketball fan in the world. Uh, I can't tell you how pumped I am to live in a city that has so much college basketball in it. Like that's why I, I laugh at the fact that so many ads in this in this state complain about how difficult it is to schedule, because it's not just that you have a lot of teams in the state of Ohio. You have a lot of good teams in the state of Ohio. You have a lot of teams that that compete for their conference title every single damn year. There's no excuse to talk and complain about that. That's why I always get annoyed with the UD clippings because. You know, their athletic director, nice guy, but he comes out all the nils. Man, it's just difficult. We can't get anyone to come here and play. I Yeah, you can. You can. But that's why they, yeah, anyways, it's what it is. They know what they're doing, though. Can't complain. It's kind of like when I, I get annoyed that Wright State doesn't recruit more local kids around here. Well, can't right. complain if they're winning conference titles right. and winning games. I'm not going to complain about UD when... Clearly, Neil Sullivan knows what the hell he's doing because, you know, I think those schedules have worked out in their favor. You know, I, I think so. Winning games. He knows what he's doing. Nice arena. <laughs> yeah, I think Neil Sullivan knows what he's doing. In fact, I know he knows what he's doing, so who cares? As long as, hey, I may mean, not agree with how things are operated, but if what they're doing is leading to wins, and who the hell am I to sit here? I mean, even if they weren't, still, who the hell am I to sit here and question You're that? You're Jody. We're just lucky to have the college basketball programs we do in this area. So there. Uh, Schrody says, uh, Kenner, what, uh, what do you hate more, UD or the top shelf at the grocery store? <laughs>
5: save for simply becoming an Allstate customer. Save more for adding DriveWise. And save even more for driving safely. Visit Allstate.com or contact your local agent for a quote today. Allstate. Minimum effort, maximum reward.
10: Not available in every state. New customer savings based on early signing discount. drive is an optional feature. Savings vary based on how you buy. Subject to terms and conditions. Allstate Fire and Casualty
9: Insurance Company and affiliates. Northbrook, Illinois.
10: Right now, Saturday's Alabama LSU and Texas A&M-Tennessee games have been postponed because of COVID-19. That brings the number of SEC games postponed this week to three. And not playing a game may not be the only issue for teams, says ESPN's Joey Galloway.
1: I think the difficulty uh, in, in when these shutdowns happen is whether you get to practice or not. Uh, if, if things get shut down and you have to sit out and you don't get to practice, you know, let alone the game being moved back. But if you're not practicing, uh, that is just one step further away from being prepared to play when you do get a chance to play.
10: Even though quarterback Ben Roethlisberger on the reserve COVID-19 list, the Steelers optimistic he'll be available to play Sunday against the Bengals. Roethlisberger and three other Steelers on the COVID list deemed high-risk contacts with tight end Vance McDonald, who returned a positive test yesterday. NFL owners approved expanding to a 16-team playoff if future games are lost due to the coronavirus. They also approved incentives to reward teams with two third-round picks if they develop coaches and executives of color. Hall of Famer Tommy Heinsohn, who won 10 NBA titles over 20 seasons as a player and coach with the Celtics, has died at the age of
2: 86. Coming up Wednesday, the race for the fourth and final spot in the college football playoff is on. How close are two non-Power 5 teams to actually being in the mix? Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, 6 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio.
5: Your privileges are
7: revoked from ever saying John again. Janae Gwumake oh. and Mike Gola Jr.
0: It is the unspoken tension around the show is that Cliff, a Philadelphia native, always uses the, uh, I guess the colloquialism, John. That's about the John. whitest, lamest way I could explain the term John. You know how you explain it? It's a useless article that doesn't deserve to be in society. Wow. Okay, I'll be right back. I'm fighting Devin in second hand. Hands <laughs> getting thrown in the studio right now. Air hands. Social distance fight. Let me see that. Yeah, exactly. Social distance slap boxing going. On
9: in studio. What's good, my good people? and Golick Jr. on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Tiney Ogbuomaka and Jason Fitz here subbing in for Mike Golick Jr., who was on the call tonight for Buffalo, Miami of Ohio in college football. Um, Jason Fitz here with his nice little go-to dance. I don't know, could you have hold it held it down like Sean Payton? After the I, I mean
8: I've got more than one move I just I'm constricted here Chennai like I'm not here for your Friday danceathon and frankly when I when I really busted it down you made fun of my uh, my breathlessness right. afterwards so now I feel constrained in this chair but I still give you the best wiggle I can
9: I'm trying to do better, you know. I, I am meaner than I even re- realized. Uh, but you can dance. You are talented, and that is why you're here. And I really appreciate you. Am I doing better? Am I appreciate I you, up?
8: but now we all know that you've you've lied to me because uh, at the same time I can't dance.
9: It's awful. Okay, it's, what uh, that you, you can sort of dance, and I feel like you should just take that and run with that. okay. All right, we'll go uh, we, that. <laughs> we we're presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us via the Shell Penzo, Performance Line. Now, in case you guys missed it, uh, the NBA is moving at light speeds in the sense that the draft is next Wednesday and free agency. Is coming up very soon. And speaking of which, we will chat with our own ESPN NBA front office insider, Bobby Marks, in about 10 minutes to discuss the, that entire timeline. Um, but, you know, let's let's stick in the now because the news of the day is coming out of college football. Two SEC games have been postponed, including Alabama versus LSU. Now, earlier on the show today here on Chanane Gold, Jr., our own Peter Burns from the SEC Network and also host of The Best Week Ever on ESPN Radio with Katie George, She jo- um, he joined us to really set the scene on how the college football playoff committee really can react and how they evolve with these postponements.
0: I think everything's on the table at this point. The problem is is that when you saw the college football playoff decide earlier this year, listen, out of all years we're still going to stay at 4, right? The NFL decided to expand, you had Major League Baseball decided to expand, hell, like an hour before first pitch, right? And everyone wanted to expand in college football playoff. This would have been the year with nobody playing the same amount of games. College football playoff could have easily have said, listen, this is the year we're going to dip our toes into it. I know the contract doesn't look that way or it's supposed to be that way, but let's try Try eight, And honestly, I think that they all knew that it was going to be tough just to get four games in, much less try to get a little bit greedy and try to get eight teams in an additional weekend of games. And I think that's what we're seeing.
9: That was Peter Burns, um, host of Best Week Ever on ESPN Radio, talking to us about the landscape of college football as it evolves, especially dealing with the end date. Uh, Fitz, do you sort of agree that he thinks that this is a situation that they just understood that this is the possibility and they're staying firm on those dates? I, I mean, I...
8: While in theory I agree with what Bernsey is saying, he's wrong about all of it. I mean, realistically. There is no indication. He said everything's on the table. Every time we hear from Heather Dennett, she makes it clear that nothing's on the table. They're not discussing moving the date. And whether uh, we think they should or not, there's not a ton of flexibility. They've already moved the announcement of the final playoff standings to December 20th. The first poll game or the first uh, semifinal game is January 1st. There's a lot of TV money that comes into that decision to play on New Year's Day. I mean, the decision to postpone that a week would be significant to us, it would be significant to the college football playoff. They've made no indication they're looking at doing And even the argument of expansion, well, right now I'm having a hard time figuring out who's really worthy of being the fifth best team in college football. We're going to try to go to eight? Why? So that we can watch Ohio State just slaughter whoever comes into the eighth seed? So I don't think that's good for college football either. I, I mean, uh, through it all, what they've done right now is they've said they'll wait as long as they can. And if there's cancellations, we got to remember, this is part of why the SEC started playing early, so that if there are cancellations, they can still get enough games played. Right now, the SEC standing up and saying, Big Ten, uh, Pac-12, you should have listened to us because we got the cushion.
9: Yeah, you know, it's really interesting, uh, Fitz, because this is one thing I really wanted to get at, especially when it comes to the timeline, Um, because you're seeing a situation where the ACC starts early, then it goes to the SEC, Big 12, and then now the Big 10, and then the Pac-12 just kicked off. Do you see the timeline working in anyone's favor at this point?
8: No, but I think that at some point what we have to remember is that everybody got to the sandbox and they decided not to play together. Like anybody that thinks that the Power Five is just going to go form their own mega conference, look at this one moment as a reason why that's so difficult to happen. Because realistically they could have all come together, they could have powwowed, they could have brought their medical expertise together and made one decision as one group. The Big Ten didn't. They went ahead of everybody thinking that they would be the smartest ones in the room and it would give them opportunity. I don't fault the logic because that's what their medical experts were telling them. But realistically, everybody Everybody else waited to make the call, and as a result, they got more football played. So this is, if anything, it's a reminder that they didn't play nice together in August. So why are they going to play nice together now when the Big Ten's going to turn around and say, well, guys, like we could use a little more time to get games played. If I'm in the SEC, I'm saying that's cute. You could have waited for us then, so why are we going to help you now? I mean, we got to understand that this is all about money, it's all about ego, and it's all about everybody wanting to do it their way. I don't see any reason that's going to change over the next six weeks.
9: Yeah, and coming together as one is a good point because the ability for the NFL players to do that has been really important, especially as the situation evolves when it comes to COVID. And now we're looking at a situation when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers where Ben Roethlisberger and a couple of his teammates are on the COVID reserve list in advance of their game versus the Bengals. uh, First, do you agree with Dan saying that, like, like obviously, no one thinks that this is a walkover game going up against Joe Burrow, but do you think that the Steelers still have a chance to win? And also, how do you feel about this situation where these guys are not playing and the show goes on?
8: Well, I mean, that's what the NFL has told you they're going to do the entire time, right? Like, all, I, I keep going back all the way, Sinead, to like free agency. You remember when everybody was saying, is it the right look right now in this country to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on new contracts with all the heartbreak that's going on and all the hardship? And the NFL was still like, no, we're going we're to do our thing. And they got to the draft and it's like, uh, are we really giving everybody the celebration we need? And the is like, no, we're going to do our thing. Like, every single team, every single week is going to deal with COVID-19. Like, that's just real for everybody, and that's why it's important that you hope that your favorite team is doing things as responsibly as possible. But am I going to count the Steelers out? No. I mean, the fact is, if last year there had been seven playoff teams, they would have been one of them with Duck as their quarterback. So, we've already seen them have success with Duck. I don't know why we think they can't. Again, as much as I love Joe Burrow, the Steelers are still better top the bottom than the Bengals are
9: yeah and it's really funny because you know when you think about what Joe Burrow has been able to do they have over exceeded expectations to some degree same thing with the Steelers even though now they're dealing with this final form of adversity um do you see the Steelers really coming out and emerging as this team that can sustain a little bit longer okay say they get through this week how long do you see them being undefeated?
8: Well, that's a that's a great question because let's also remember there's not a ton of wiggle room here. I mean, the Chiefs are 8-1, and, and I think the most significant part of this conversation has got to be that only the first overall seed gets first-round by. So it mm. becomes incredibly important for the Steelers to win every game because we all know how good the Chiefs are going to be. Now, uh, you can look at their schedule coming up and say, okay, they got the Jags. That's going to be easy. They got Washington. But they also have the Ravens and the Bills coming up and the Colts coming up. Those are going to be three teams that at least right now we're going to say, hey, we're going to be a problem for you. So I don't think the road's easy. So that puts a lot of pressure on this particular game for Pittsburgh because they're not going to be able to drop games and keep that that top seed. And the buy is going to be everything to everybody.
9: Yeah, it will be. And, you know, it's really this is the seminal moment. I've been saying this throughout the show. Like this is an inflection point. All leagues, all sports are looking at one another and trying to figure out how do we keep moving forward. Even the NBA, you think about it, they just finished their bubble. Are they going to be in a, a bubble in the future? This is a big moment in sports, college football. Right now is trying to figure it out as the SEC has two games postponed. The NFL forges on and the Masters, which we're so excited about. I don't know about you, but uh, you can make sure you can sign up for ESPN Plus for live daily uh, daily coverage of the Masters. Plus, Michael Collins continues his journey across the country in a new episode of his original series, America's Caddy, covering the Masters and interviewing golf's biggest stars only on ESPN Plus. I am excited for that. I told myself if I had an ability in quarantine to do one thing safely, it would actually learn how to golf. I didn't realize that they make like custom uh drivers and stuff and that helps me when I am 63, but I want to really have that have you gotten any of these custom drivers yet? Like or is this just like a quiet
8: like as if you're going like, to show for stuff let's let's show for it Chennai
9: I have not. I have not received a custom driver, but I feel like that's one of those things I could put on the Christmas list because I feel like golf is a good thing to learn. Have you changed your mind or do you still really not care?
8: Uh, Yeah, so you could actually walk from my door to, like I could walk on to like this little golf course in Connecticut. And I hear the ping of the balls constantly, and I just look over and I'm like, who has has time for that? Like, no. Oh, dear. I'm out. But I am all in on Michael Collins. Like, you could watch Michael Collins commentate on making a grilled cheese sandwich, and it would be the best 30 minutes of your life.
9: And you are all in also on football. That's what I say to try to save you in these moments, because the NFL is one of the sports trying to pull off a season, you know, outside of a bubble. The NBA is going to join the fold soon, potentially, you know, outside of a bubble based on what the players want. So why don't we just discuss all of that in that uh, timeline with one of our NBA best. A front office insider, Bobby Marks, next on Shanae Gold Jr. on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
6: Coming up Wednesday, the Jets played their best game of the year yeah, without yeah. Sam Darnold. So what does that mean for his future in New York? We'll discuss that on Keyshawn, Jay Will and Zubin. Wednesday, 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio. College football, it's the game you wake up early on Saturdays for, even though kickoff isn't until 7. The game where the Goodyear blimp becomes a Hall of Famer. The game that goes just beyond school, spirit, fandom, or love of the sport. It's the game where the comebacks happen. It's the game where anything can and will happen, as long as you have the drive. Because college football is the game that moves you. We get it because it moves us too. Goodyear, more driven.